Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ron DeSantis has officially signed the, I guess, what do you, what, what do you call it? The, the bill stripping Disney of its special privileges. And the funny thing about this is that he was surrounded by children who are all cheering and clapping. And I just, I just find that very, very funny. So, uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the conflict. One of the, I think the craziest story today actually was that Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, was testifying in an, in an administ- administrative trial to determine whether or not she should be disqualified from reelection, which just says to me, yo, this is a sign of the, the, cr- the collapse of the republic. Robbie Starbuck was booted, uh, was booted off the, the primary. Because the, the Republican GOB played some BS. Now you've got them trying to disqualify the establishment, mind you. It's not just Democrats, it's Republicans as well. Trying to disqualify people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Madison Cawthorn. So here we go. These people know they're losing. The elite know that they're struggling to maintain a grip on this country. Populism is rising up, be it left or right. And now they're resorting to dirty tricks to get their way. You know, it just sounds, sounds to me like everything is falling apart. So we'll talk about that. And we have this, we have this viral story going around about Mike Pence in January 6th. It's, it's the weirdest thing. It's like the left is accusing Mike Pence of being in on a coup because he refused to get into a car. So I don't know why the story is, is for some reason getting prominence now because the story is actually very old, but we'll talk about it either way. And then, uh, some guy tried lighting himself on fire in front of the Supreme Court. We'll talk about that too. Joining us on this, uh, wonderful and beautiful Friday is Tina McGinnis and her progeny, Richard. Who wants to introduce themselves first? Mom's first, obviously. I am Richard's mom. Can you pull your mic up a little bit? <laughs> yep. I am Richie McGinnis's mom. <laughs> so what do you do? I am a mom. <laughs> <laughs> Very important role. All all right. A working mother, though. Which yeah. is all, important. all mothers are working. Well, that's, Let's that's not get point. into that. Mm-hmm. This, this is one of my major pet peeves about you, that expression, working mother. All mothers work. Yeah, but my mom worked harder than other mothers. That's not it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with three boys, you do work pretty hard. That's for sure. (laughs) So who is this Richard sitting over here? Uh, Richie McGinnis. Uh, She named me Richard, but I went with with Richie because my uncle's Richard. Uh, And I'm running for mayor of Chicken City. That's right. Well, actually sheriff. Well, sheriff, and then it's a hostile takeover. Okay. okay. Don't you just walk in and seize it? it Once I get a hold of the arm. So this is it. Um, Our guest tonight is quite literally some guy who wants to be in my chicken coop (laughs) and his mom. Exactly. (laughs) We're going to have a great talk about chickens and uh, elections. I I like that you talked about work because work scientifically is like an – an expression of energy. Uh, you can measure it in joules. And so like right now we're working. If you're thinking you're producing work. Right. So this is just another kind of work. Whether it's a job or not that you get paid for is kind of irrelevant at that point. Correct. Uh, I rolled a 30, you guys. Oh. 
Thank Happy you. Friday. Thank you. Yeah. Let's get rocking. And that's Ian. And uh, uh, Richie, of course, is a, I guess, a journalist. He's been at, on, mm-hmm. on, uh, on the ground for all of these major uh, moments of unrest, risking his life in, in some instances to save lives. Mm-hmm. So Richie's got tremendous experience dealing with conflict, crisis, and the political Much arena. to the anger of my mom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ending up in well, that's, that's why we, we thought it was important to have your mom on so we could all <laughs> collectively scold you for this <laughs> dangerous line of work. Yes. <laughs> it's a good I'm thing retired. I didn't know about much of it yeah. until it had already happened. But yes. And her birthday is the insurrection. Oh, that's right. <laughs> January 6th. Right. Happy birthday, Mom. Uh, I think uh, something happened. No, he changed the lyrics to the song. It's yeah. now Happy Insurrection. Oh, man. Too. Oh, gosh. Terrible. What a good son. Yeah, I for her it. big 70th birthday this year. Mm-hmm. Aww, nice sweet. one. I am also here in the corner. I really enjoyed talking to Tina before the show, and I'm delighted to get more into it. It reminded me a little bit of talking to Ricardo Lamas's dad, where we get get into some of the history and get some of the background that we really lack kind of as millennials. So I'm excited for tonight. It's going to be good. People are pointing out that there's a blue tint on my camera. There is. I'm sorry. It's on, it's on purpose. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought I needed a little blue, a little red, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you haven't already, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become members because as members, you keep our journalists employed. We're actually looking at hiring two more journalists to our news team. So I'm really, really excited about that. And uh, your membership is what gives these people jobs. So they work for you. Oh. And that means that whenever you see them, you can yell and be like, hey, I pay your salary. You know, like you do with cops. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, our, our journalists really... Really do rely on memberships. Our, our, our the website does, and as a member, you get access to exclusive segments from the Timcast IRL podcast. We had Lauren Southern the other day, and uh, for some reason, every time she comes, she likes touching the swords that are all over the place. And uh, she held the meteorite sword. Terrifying. And then it was a really goofy episode. We talked about pizza places in the middle of the outback. But it was interesting and fun. So become a member, help support our work. But don't forget to like this video right now. Smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with all your friends. Tell them it's the best show ever. Let's read this first story and talk about weird whatever with Florida. The Daily Mail reports Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis is applauded by children as he officially strips Disney of its 55-year-old special tax and land privileges after Biden slammed ugly GOP for going after Mickey. I kind of feel like uh, this country is pretty much falling apart. Uh, I will say it's funny that they bring in a bunch of kids. They have a photo of this. They had a photo. Here we go. Look at this. They have like, you know, CRT is, is in a circle with a line through it. Is there a word for that? When they Anti-CRT? Put, no, when they, no, when they put a circle with a line through it, crossing sure. something out or whatever. But they, they brought a bunch of kids and they're all clapping and cheering. I think that's, I think that's funny. I like what he's doing, though. I like what, uh, what Ron DeSantis is doing. And we can see that Disney continues to drop. And its stock prices. So I'll just I'll just start off by saying this. I went to there was a protest in uh, Disneyland that I went to. Oh no no that was Disney World. That's it's the one in Florida. Disney World's in Florida. World yeah the other one's in Anaheim. Okay California. so I was at Disneyland. Uh, there was a protest for Black Lives Matter. I, I don't think it was necessarily Black Lives Matter, but it was the same issues. And the police did everything in their power to protect Disney, and they were on horseback with Boken. You know what Boken are? A wooden sword? Yeah, wooden swords. And it was like the weirdest thing. But what people noticed was that they weren't protecting any of the homes. They were protecting, they were blocking off the roads to Disney. Mm-hmm. And these were guys who were like wearing full like camo decked out military gear right on the side of SUVs with, with long guns. It's just the, the craziest thing. Isn't it weird though how the Democrats are now like a, like <laughs> on the side of the big corporate entity Disney? So, yes, 
It is. Are they or are they just against DeSantis? I can't get a read on this. No, they're 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 an amorphous blob. There's there's no. I don't. I don't. They're not for or against anything. They just they just hate you, right? So it's like, geez, guys, take it easy. Well, no, but they do. I mean, if if there's something that. I don't know, civil libertarians and conservatives are interested in, they're just going to be like, well, we hate that. And so if that means they're going to side with tax cuts for massive multinational corporations, apparently that's what's happening. But, but uh, you know, uh, this is why I think it's, it's great to have you here, Tina, because I'm curious. With everything we've been seeing uh, over the past several years with the, the rioting, with the political partisanship, with now children clapping and cheering for this stuff, with, with critical race theory in schools, I'm wondering if you have ever seen it this bad. No. I mean, I haven't. We were talking earlier about my sort of coming of age, which was I was in college in 1969 as a freshman in Washington at Georgetown. And it was, you know, the height of the Vietnam War. It was civil rights. It was women's rights. And I don't know if I was more naive, but I was certainly way more clear about my world than I am now. And I'm 70. (laughs) Shouldn't I be more clear about my world now with age and theoretically wisdom? Um, I don't know what that means. Uh, but you mean by clear, like you don't know what's going on? I don't know where, I don't know how to think about a lot of things anymore because I don't, I, I'm very mistrustful of pretty much everything I hear. And we were talking earlier about just about newscasters in my day. And, you know, it was Walter Cronkite and um, Chet Huntley and David Brinkley and Edward R. Murrow. And you respected those men. And you didn't really know much about them except the pitch of their voice when you knew when something was serious you know if i'm sure you've all seen the clip of walter cronkite taking his glasses off when he announced jfk had been assassinated it was a i don't know things were it's almost like things were serious then and everything's made to be serious now yeah i don't know if that's the right way to put it but yeah um I, I don't know if things are better or worse. We were talking, Lydia and I, earlier about our mo- my mother saying, you know, the world has always been bad. Mm. Yeah. So. I wonder, mm. though, like, how do you how do you know you can trust those men, like Walter Cronkite? Then? Yeah. They smoke cigarettes. Well, well you didn't. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. That had, So did my father. That proves so. it. Yeah. Um, you didn't think about it. Mm. There wasn't a question of trust. It was there were three networks. There were very many fewer platforms for information. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And you didn't hear about as many things at the same time. And it was, I don't know. It was just easier. Were, possible they were lying. Well, it's, that's also possible. Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah, Gulf of Tonkin. Exactly. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of that. I mean, yeah. they have picked the CIA and, oh, yeah. you know, uh, 
there was always a subterranean text that you well you didn't question it i think is also but we also talked thing. about in the past how at that time the young people were part of the counterculture which was counterculture and now you know with a lot of the protests that have happened over the last two years, you have like corporations on board with those and like using it to to prove that they're virtuous. Oh, I, know, I, I I went to a skate park and I saw Black Lives Matter tagged, and then I just started laughing. And they're like kids hanging out, and I was like, which one of you kids tagged the corporate slogan on the on the skate ramp? <laughs> Ooh, big exactly. like okay. It's but they don't care. You know they're gonna they're gonna look at me and they're gonna be like, you're an old man, you don't get it. And I'll be like. Yeah, when I was your age, we 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 re- rebelled against authority. You know, we we tried to find our own way. But you guys are just stooges. They're just like, well, Walmart told me to write it, so I did. It's like, all right, good for you, I guess. What strikes me is the Watergate scandal. When that popped, I mean, that was like the end of Nixon's his campaign at the time, I believe. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, they, they, he he resigned. Didn't he? Didn't he? He resigned, or that was the end of his presidency. He resigned. He resigned. Yeah, before because he was spying on the Democrats during yeah. the campaign. And then, but when, then they found out when like, Hillary's oh, emails popped and they tried like spying on Democrats. Bernie's campaign. Is that right? She was spying. They were spying, they were spying on, on Trump on Trump's campaign. Yeah. Uh, where's the outrage? Where's <laughs> yeah, the water? They sandbagged Bernie's um, campaign. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were spying planning on, on talking about his, him being Jewish and using it against him and stuff in the emails. Like, how is this not causing a Watergate level landslide of of reprisal? Because there's a military-industrial complex, and now the the spy network. It's like they've been trying to build this technocracy since 1913. The Rockefeller, you know, the military-industrial, the uh, basically the Federal Reserve was the first, the beginning of it with uh, what's his name, uh, Woodrow Wilson. And now they have the technology in place to actually spy with the Patriot Act and things like that. And so they're like, just they don't even care anymore. They're just trying to take control of everything. It's so gross. Have you been following the critical race theory stuff in the news? As much as I, as much as it has sustained my interest, which is what, none, <laughs> none. Well, I shouldn't put it that way. Um, no comment. <laughs> you know, because I, I don't, I don't know if if you wanted to talk about the comparison between feminism then and feminism today. Well, I wouldn't feminism and critical race theory. I don't well, critical theory, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, so, so what we're seeing now. Uh, started with what's called intersectional feminism, which is a tenet of criti- critical race theory. So it starts with second wave feminism, which I believe is what, like the 60s, 70s? First wave so. was like suffragettes. Third wave, I think, was what, we're, what we saw in the 2000s. And Maybe now we're... 2000s. So this is all just considered to be waves of feminism. Mm-hmm. So what happens is third wave feminism started asking these questions about privilege, intersectionality, and race. And so what started very much with, if you're a woman, a biological female, then, you know, you have certain rights and things you're not granted access to. So those rights are, you know, hard, are, are fought for. And uh, it's like workplace, pay, you know, pay parity, things like that. And then you get into the late 2000s, early 2010s, and feminism all of a sudden starts adopting what's called intersectionality, which what is... What is it? I, never, I don't know what that is. <laughs> what so, is Intersectionality. <laughs> Intersectionality is that Sorry. a woman faces a certain kind of discrimination. So do what everybody does. And uh, so intersectionality says the discrimination faced by a woman is different than the discrimination faced by a black woman. Why? Because at the intersection of race and feminism, there is something unique that is experienced only by black women. So specifically, there is the trope of the angry black woman. Mm-hmm. So when someone is being sexist towards a black woman, there's an element of race comprised within it 
Okay. From there, which is so so intersectional is uh, intersectionality is a component of critical race theory. Okay, I, it's way too. <laughs> I look at it a lot more simply. I think, you know, certain if you want to talk about women, certain women have it harder than other women, and I think probably black women do generally. You know, across the board. Women who are poor, women who are raising children by themselves. Yeah. You know, women, it, 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 some people have it easier. Some women have it easier than other women. I can't, I can't relate to, I don't get it, the intersectionality whole. I don't know. It's a way of talking about it in a complicated, in a complicated way. Yeah, it's a way. way of making sense of the world. And, you know, it's like a way of basically identifying the reasons for, why people face struggles and why, you know, um, certain people have to overcome more. But at the same time, like just those exterior immutable traits really don't have anything to do with people's individual situations um, in terms of like what they might be born into that's beyond that. You know, it's just, well, the, it puts you in a box, effectively. The result is that these schools are now telling white kids that they're inherently bad. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, is, you know, yeah. and they're saying white, white, white is bad and you know, whiteness is evil. And so now you have kids who are coming home and telling their parents, their parents are revolting. And now you're getting Republicans winning in a bunch of different states. So it seems like, you know, you see Bill Maher wake up to this kind of stuff. He starts talking about how the Democrats are basically destroying themselves mm-hmm. by isolating and and fracturing their 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 voting blocks well isn't this also it's kind of an extension of um erasing culture in a way i mean it's all sort of the same it's trying to make a new reality out of something that was not a pleasant reality is that reinterpreting our past yeah like this is a really simple way to put it i i don't watch the news a lot anymore and I watch TMC or TCM. It's the movie channel. And it's really well done. It's all the old movies. It's the movies I grew up with that my mother, you know, knew all the word songs to the word, the words to all the songs to. And they have adapted this position of, you know, there's this whole conversation about, say, Gone with the Wind as an example. And just erasing it because it represented, um, a bad thing about, you know, whites and slavery. But there's no point in erasing any of it. Let's face what it was and move on. And is it, isn't it a similar kind of conversation? Well, now, uh, you know, California just tried repealing their civil rights provision from their constitution. The, the, the Democrats in California wanted to repeal the uh, anti-discrimination provision, which prevented discrimination on the basis of race. And their argument was, we need to discriminate on the basis of race to help minorities. And and, and so, you know, my response there is like to, to go back in time yeah. to, you know, the yeah. pre-1960s as some, as some, like, you think it was better when that's how the laws were structured, mm-hmm. but that's what they're doing. That's the Democrats that are doing that. It's not the Republicans. And then it's a question of how far you go back in time, mm-hmm. because, you know, um, if you go back on a long enough timeline, like, for example, the, the Irish were being enslaved by the hundreds of thousands per year in Baghdad in the 800s. And at that time, the Arabs were the dominant culture in the world. And the so, Irish? Yeah, the Irish were getting gra- dragged over to wow. basically slave markets all over the world by the Vikings yeah. and stuff like wow. that. They just come in, grab them, and, you know, drag and the them British over, too, end right? up in Baghdad. And, yeah. and but, the Slavs, which is where mm-hmm. a slave comes from. And the Italians. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah man. People yeah. were yeah, really the Vikings just were all, all over. You have Italian man. privilege, all right. The Vikings <laughs> would go down the Rhine. They sacked Paris. They were everywhere. They were in the Mediterranean. That was nuts. Now look at Norway. Then they built castles in Sweden, and they couldn't penetrate the castles. That's crazy, though, right? Because when you look at uh, the, the the Nordic countries, they're very effeminate you know? anymore. Yeah. So a lot of people are wondering, like, wow, this this they used to be particularly <laughs> barbaric, you know, seriously going around stealing people. And now they're all very much like equality and, you know, fair wages. It's like, all right, well. And that's, yeah, that's the other problem with applying like immutable, you know, characteristics to cultures and stuff like that. Like, oh, because you're born like this, then you're, because you're like this, you're going to face this challenge, you know, because you. Yeah, actually, I think if you look at the Nordic countries, it's a really good example for why we should not blame a group of people for the sins of their past. Yeah. To say like, you know, right now that's the big thing with critical race theory is that white people are evil, settler colonialism is wrong, and English is an oppressive language. And it's like, I don't know if the, uh, uh, you know, the Vikings can figure things out and become, you know, I don't know what, equitable and peaceful or whatever. Why are you going to blame them for what other people did, right? That's true. And I mean, that's really the question is like, what is, um you know, America's a very like, young country and i think that a lot of times our collective understanding of culture and history is very much shorter than like in europe for example like if you next to your school you have a cathedral from the 1200s you mm-hmm. have a tendency to like think of things on a longer timeline and so yeah we have this very kind of like it's our, our understanding of like the history of progressivism is like three generations long and you know it's like i think that that neglects to realize if you think back a little bit further than you realize more progress than you think has been made. You're making me think about second wave feminism, which is the one from the 60s. The first wave feminism was the end of the 1800s. It was like Mm -hmm. the right to, what is it? Suffrage, yeah, suffrage. Um, So what is your definition of feminism as you knew it growing up? Well, I I guess I fall into the second wave. I I never really got it straight, but um, it's just being a woman and being proud of being a woman and not having to defend yourself because you are it, whether or not you decide to have children you have five children you work you don't work i think that we've kind of been led astray um the the women after me i think um had got, got kind of mixed up with it because what my generation was trying to do i think was say whatever it is oops yeah you need to keep it a little closer oh sorry you can move it around whenever you move. <clears throat> I don't know. It just boils down to having the courage to be who you are. I mean, basically. If and well, if if you're a woman, it's more complicated because you have a womb. Well, hold on. What? What is a woman? What is a woman? It's, this is this is this is actually a question debated in politics today, and our Supreme Court. Uh, did, did you just say that women have wombs? No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Ketanji <laughs> Brown Jackson. Ketanji Brown Jackson. Yes. Who was just nominated to the Supreme Court and confirmed said she could not answer the question of what is a woman because she's not a biologist. So, so my question to you is: second wave feminist. Well, what I is mean, a woman? It, this is all way beyond me. I, I'm just <laughs> I I grew up as a woman because I have a womb and I have an ability to bear children. This is as far as I'm going to go with it right now. And I made a choice. I always wanted to have children. I don't know if that was cultural or if it was hormonal or whatever, but um, it was very important to me. And I never felt as though that was challenged in terms of, I was lucky, 
You know, I never felt like I had to fight for that. And at the same time, I wanted I wanted to be out there in the world and work. And it made economic sense. And it, it just made sense in terms of whatever my ambitions were. And I was very fortunate because I had the resources to work and uh, have my children. And it's mostly because I had very understanding employers who happened to be mostly men mm-hmm. who were liberated, you know, who allowed me to have my children, keep my job, and carry on. And I don't know what happened. I think w- women started wanting this is not a gender conversation for me. It's more about, and I, you know, uh, you got it's me all mixed con- up. It's an identity conversation. Welcome it's to a, our world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I, it's hard for me to, to talk about it in terms other than um, being someone who bears children and works and just, you know, fends for whatever it is is important to me in the world. I think W-O-M, the letters, womb and woman, I mean, the W-O-M is part of both of those words. I don't know if that matters, but I'm not going to say it doesn't. And I'm not going to, I can't Ian criticize. Semantics again. Yeah. But I can't <laughs> criticize someone who, you know, has has a struggle with figuring out what gender they are. I, I don't have a problem with it. I'm lucky, you know, I guess, or I'm, I'm I well, was so- Never taught to challenge it. Hmm. So I, I'm uh, with uh, our, our incoming Supreme Court justice who doesn't know what a woman is. How can how can you have feminism? How can you have women's rights if a Supreme Court justice doesn't even know what a woman is or can't define it? I mean, it feels no to me to like up. feminism is out the window. I don't. I don't think that's true. I think feminism is more about the in. I don't think it, it one Supreme Court judge is going to affect a culture Common change sense. in terms of... Well, it's the other way around. The judge is saying she can't define women because the culture has already changed. I know. What changing. I'm saying is that won't necessarily alter uh, the majority of women's struggles one way or the other, necessarily. Oh, I agree. I just think that it will ampl- it'll make them worse. I, I don't know about. I don't know. Well, so for, for instance, California tried repealing the civil, the, the non discrimination provision from their constitution. If that were to be removed, then an employer, uh, it was it was public contract, and they could literally say, "You're a woman, get out." So I, that that sounds like going backwards from civil rights. The 1964 Civil Rights Act granted those protections. California enacted a similar provision in schooling and public contracting in the 90s, and the Democrats are trying to be rid of that. So all of a sudden. You know, the argument from uh, Democrats and, and these progressives is that if we have the ability to discriminate, we can actually discriminate against men. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
Computer Solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And that's literally their argument. So we can help women by removing men. But that just means that a man could do the same thing in kind. And you'd come back to the point where the people who are more aggressive and more ambitious, ambitious will dominate the industry. And then if they have the ability to discriminate, you have a tendency to see it at least to a certain degree. I think that makes struggle for women worse. I mean, it gets even more interesting. Like if you're talking about the case of California and removing those uh, civil rights protections is right now in like I'm 32, like our age group and lower uh, women actually in acad- in like academic scenarios and early work environments are more successful than men. So you know, if more women are enrolling in college and getting better grades, then in that case, they would actually be right at a disadvantage for, you know, getting uh, the, you know, having the uh, whatever the I, I think intersectional. I, I, I think the whole thing is just it absolutely destroys women. So what, what's happening now with there's It's going to take way more than that to destroy women, Tim. <laughs> well, I, 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 I certainly don't. I'm certainly not saying all women will be destroyed. I'm saying the rights gained over the past several decades. So what's going to happen now? There are more women in college. They're going to be laden with more debt. Mm. Young men aren't taking these, are, are less likely to take out this debt. And they're going to be more, well, they're going to be less restricted. They're going to be able to go into trade jobs, which will make maybe not as money, but with no debt, they're going to be unrestrained. So it, it really feels like everything that's happening. Yeah, but don't you think there's it's a pendulum? Just the way historically everything has been for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, you go too far and then you come back. It's just mm-hmm. a natural course. It's kind of a spiral. It goes to the left and then it goes to the right and then it goes to the left. But it's always moving forward. I'm looking mm-hmm. at these waves of feminism. Golden ratio. Yeah, the first mm-hmm. one happened that's in the late 1800s. It was 60 years later that you got the second wave. Then it was... 28 years later that you got the third wave. Then it was like 15 years later you got the fourth wave. Now they're talking about eight years later. You're starting to see maybe there's a fifth wave. I mean, you know, women who who thought who wanted to behave like men in the workplace, I think set set feminism back. Yeah. You know, it, it, I think women were more of a problem for women at certain points than men were for women. And so it's it's never one, you know, it's a dynamic. I think it doesn't, there isn't one thing that will determine forever the way things will continue to be. I don't think. I mean, hopefully the Constitution, you know, and the things that um, established our country will remain and not, not you know, I, I, I believe that. I think they're gone already. What? No, yeah. I, like the right to keep and bear arms. We endlessly talk about this. It's 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 gone. I mean, sure, you can try and go. We're in Maryland right now. You go you go to Maryland and say, "I would like a gun." They say, "No, get out." I mean, the Constitution does not protect our rights. So you want to talk about free speech, but when private corporations control the public town square, I guess technically you can go outside and talk. But now they've even arrested people for posting rap lyrics. If 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 I have to go to the government and ask permission to get to keep and bear arms, the Constitution has not protected my rights. And that's true for New York, New Jersey, Maryland. What other states? We have California, Hawaii. DC. Uh, DC is not a state, but yes, absolutely. You can't have you can't have a gun. So what constitution? And then we talk about the Fifth Amendment. I mean, look at the stuff they do to Julian Assange. He's not, he's not an American citizen, but certainly when it comes to matters of you know extradition or whatever, people coming to this country are that you are afforded rights, no matter not uh, whether or not you're a citizen. But you look at what's happening with January 6th. 
the, the defendants who are kept in solitary confinement for a year, there's no constitutional rights. It's, it's rights for those who have power, and the Constitution's become a piece of paper that's only being upheld by one side that desperately wants to believe it still exists. Do you think it's because we've been, like, lulled into, a, like, a comfortable place where we don't realize how important, like, you know, carving those things out is? Like, you know, everything's so safe and easy right now that it's like, okay, well, maybe, um, you know, the government can go ahead and do whatever they want. Because- it's, it's, it's cultural enforcement. It's what a society is willing to tolerate. So if, you know, the, the feds stormed some woman in Alaska's house because mm. they thought she, she went into the Capitol building on January 6th. Where's the protests? Where's where's the mm-hmm. anti-government? Where's the anti-authoritarian protests for that stuff? They don't care. We had the the worst riots we've seen in 50 years in 2020, and it was by the people claiming to be the left. Mm-hmm. The left is now pro-corporate when they want to be. There's like there's no principles backing this. The right tries to maintain this this idea that there's a constitution and that we have rights and these things are being upheld. But when every major institution is corrupt. You just got a group of conservatives who are like, there's a constitution as long as it stands. And it's like, bro, you live in the past. Like yeah. Hollywood, schools, like the CRT and school stuff is a perfect example. Absolute corruption. The media then lies to cover up the extreme stuff they're pulling off. Let me, let, actually, let, let me, let me pull up the story right here. Florida shares examples of critical race theory in banned textbooks. What me racist? More than two million people have tested their racial prejudice reads one textbook's math problem. So Florida got rid of a bunch of math books because they said they had racial, critical race theory indoctrination in them. Now, prominent progressives and leftists are saying the right is banning math because they don't want people to learn math. What you actually see in these books is it says things like the bar graph shows the, dip- the differences among age groups on the implicit association test that measure- measures levels of racial prejudice. Hmm. Higher scores indicate a stronger bias. What what does that have to do with math? Why are they showing these graphs? Adding and subtracting polynomials. What? Me racist. More than 2 million people have tested their racial prejudice online using a a version of the implicit uh, association test. Many groups' average scores fall between slight and moderate bias. That's in a math book. When they they remove those books from school, Democrats, corporate press, and progressive activists make up insane lies— yeah, but everybody, I mean, it's all propaganda. You have propaganda on both sides. And I mean, this is a math book, though. This is like a, a grade school math book. Okay. Where is that book? Is it all over America? Is it Florida. in all the schools now? Florida yeah, statewide. The textbooks have gotten pretty crazy. So, okay. So Florida is one of 50 states. Okay. I think, you know, these it's sweeping. all over the place. It's like Virginia, for example. Okay. But, but there's a little bit of broad sweeping generalization here. I mean, I have more faith in, in our world than believing that all this stuff is going to stick. Some of it's going to buff out, Tim. Well, yeah, because mm-hmm. people have started to stand up and say no. Yeah. But it seems like it's, it's, it's mostly uh, only in Florida, right? So, so Disney comes out and uh, what's happening in Florida, if, if you're not familiar, is they passed a bill called the Parental Rights and Education Bill, which grants parents the right yes, to know. Yes, I know. Now, what happens immediately is... Don't Demo- say gay. But the bill nowhere in any way has anything to do with that. Right. The bill is just, you know, certain sex ed concepts mm-hmm. for, you know, pre for kindergarten to third grade, not allowed. And the teachers can't keep secrets from the parents on physical, mental, or medical issues. Parents have a right to know what's in their curriculum. 
the media comes out and says, don't say gay. That's not true. Mm -hmm. The only people fighting back against this are, for the most part, in Florida. We did see after this, I think, Texas, uh, Idaho, Mississippi. We're starting to see statewide hyperpolarization to Mm -hmm. push back, but it's it's really polarizing. So uh, a better example is probably abortion, where Oklahoma, I think, outright banned abortion, just Mm -hmm. literally banned it, unless it's for the life of the mother. And Colorado now allows abortion up to the point of birth, meaning a fully developed nine-month-old baby can be... Two extremes, yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so this is what's happening in, in, in this country. So it's not that it's buffing out, it's that... The, the the lines that th- there's two distinct cultures that have emerged. And I they know, hate but each that other. for right now, and this is what happens historically. And everything doesn't. Everything is. It's not. Everything moves. You know, it doesn't stay in the same place. And having conversations and arguments and providing a forum for uh, debate is what we have to keep going. So the. The the left, as as I guess it would be colloquially described, won't come on a show like this. Mm-hmm. Well, they, that's they why I came on the show. Who is the left? Who so, is uh, it? Typical, typically, uh, there is left is a reference to tribal spheres of influence, as is right. It doesn't really mean much of anything. I just mean who are like who have you asked to? Well, no, we can't get into that. I, I, I well, so there's a lot of people. <laughs> oh, yeah, have, yeah. It's funny you say that because yeah. recently there have been a couple of invitations. Yeah. Right, absolutely. So one of the most notable is one of the biggest uh, political streamers for the left is Hassan Piker, who I've repeatedly invited on the show, but he's always got a different excuse. The mm-hmm. first time it was, you know, I said I tweeted out we 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 invite these people on the show. They always say yes and then ghost us, mm-hmm. and then Hassan tweets out, I'll come on your show. I said, we will pay for everything. We'll get you a hotel. We'll bring you out in style. Then Mm -hmm. he privately messages me saying, no, I'm scared of COVID. I won't do it. Mm -hmm. Now he's saying, I'm I'm not going to travel to your show. I'm too busy. We recently had another guy that I was, uh, uh, that was arguing and and posting outright lies. And it's just insane that these people, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how crazy it is. I'm holding up a pen where you can see it. Yeah. I'm not holding a pen. That's what they do. The Washington Post published the <laughs> private address of someone on Twitter. You can see it. And they're going, no, they didn't. And you're like, why am I even talking to you if you're just going to say something so You absurd? just have to find other people. That's There's all. no other people. There have to be other people. Have you been, did you watch the, um, the French, you know, uh, Macron and, uh, Le Pen. Le Pen. Now, they were given, this is the, this is the way we should debate things. They're each given like, I don't know what it is, like an hour and a half. And there's no like, you know, you have 30 seconds to answer this question. And they actually, they insult each other. They talk to each other, but they have enough time Mm -hmm. to actually have a conversation. So this is which is a debate. Which is instead of a soundbite here and there. So we, that's why we have this, you know, two and a half hour long show. Now, uh, shout out to Vosh. He's a he's a leftist socialist a YouTuber who a lot of people on the right hate, especially because of his his views on children and adult content for children. But he came on the show twice, and uh, that's 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 pretty much. Uh, there's also Jen Perlman. Shout out to Jen. She's a progressive, and she's come on the show. We've had great conversations. But this 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 guy who was recently arguing that something that literally happened didn't messaging me saying he'll come on the show. I say here, email us so we can set it up, and then he ghosts us. It's just, it's a recurring thing. Well, theme. that's cowardly. I think, Bob, what it is is like, you're, so we talked earlier before the show about, like, are we inheriting, you know, the tail end of the uh, counterculture progressive movement that you guys initiated in the late 60s? And, like, I think to a certain extent, what we're talking about here when you say, what is the left? I mean, to a certain extent, it's, it, it, it has become orthodoxy of this kind of, like, monolithic, 
you know, mainstream idea of what it is to be a good person, to be a moral, virtuous person. And so anybody who engages with a Tim Pool is stepping outside of that orthodoxy and, and nobody wants to be that person who, you know, steps outside of the, where everybody is, you know, thinking right and well, doing but, the right. But they I did, they, and a lot of my old friends won't yeah. talk to me or don't talk to me. They unfollow me and stuff because it's like Ian's a part of the fascist movement of the United States where I'm like, yo, the Federal Reserve, shout out to everyone in the chat that loves that one, is fascist. I'm trying to expose that stuff. And Continue, we, please, and, sorry and uh, like the establishment, I guess we call it the establishment. They just outright make things up. Right. I, I think that left and right is a communist. I mean, it's, it goes back to the French Revolution where people sat on the left. They were the revolutionaries. People sat on the right. They were the loyalists. And so it, it really literally comes from they called themselves mm-hmm. the left and the right of the aisle. Mao talked a lot about the rightists, and he persecuted the rightists in the Cultural Revolution of China. And so I think that somehow they've wormed that into our modern discourse to get us to divide each other. I, I look at uh, uh, we just had the Masked Singer. Do you guys see this? Uh, Rudy Giuliani turned out to have been the Masked Singer. Well, and uh, who was the, the guy's what? name? Yeah, there's the, that show, The Masked so th- Singer. There's a show called Masked Singer where someone wears a costume and sings. Okay. And then they got to guess who it's it was. A weird show. Turns yeah. out the mask comes Never off. Heard of it. Rudy Giuliani. He's got what a beautiful heck? voice, turns out. <laughs> well, so uh, I think it was Ken Jeong. Was that his name? Oh, yeah. He exactly. walks off stage. I thought about that because people have said that Twitter isn't real life for a long time. That social media isn't real life. And I think the real issue is that Twitter has always been real life, but for a younger generation. What I see happening now is when you look at cable TV, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News, their viewers are overwhelmingly over 56 years old. Mm-hmm. So all of this stuff is happening. It is, it is worse than I've ever seen it. Granted, I'm only 36. And I feel like the older generation doesn't understand how bad it is because they're not actually in the same culture as the rest of that's us. That's possible. That's p- quite possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for, you know, Richie to experience things on the ground, mm-hmm. uh, I'll give you a, a, my, one of my favorite examples of the, the hyperpolarization is a man named Daryl Davis. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's an old black jazz musician. He thought to himself one day, how could someone hate me if they never met me? Mm-hmm. So he went to a Klan rally, met some old Klansmen, started talking to him and he said, sure enough, they were racist. But after a few weeks to a few months, these guys started taking off their robes and saying I was completely wrong. They're like, the things they say about black people does not represent my good friend, Daryl. Mm-hmm. He told one story about how he met this Klansman who was high ranking and he had his, he, he, he was just, he, he would had, his, had this dream to see this famous rock and roll car in a museum or something like that. And Daryl's like, oh, I can get you in there. And he was like, get out of here. And then here he is, this racist guy having his dream come true, granted to him by, by a black man. And these people were like, all of a sudden, like, this racist stuff is wrong. So this Daryl Davis, we booked him. Uh, he's incredible. I'm a huge fan. How old is uh, he? Uh, can, I'll find I'm, out. I'm not sure. He's going to be here, actually. Yeah, uh, he'll be here soon. soon. And um, we booked him for an event to headline because the event was about, essentially, civil libertarianism. It was called Ending Violence, Racism, and Authoritarianism. We wanted people to be like, we want to get rid of this stuff. Far left extremists showed up and threatened to burn down the theater. So the theater canceled our contract within, I think it was like three weeks of the event. We were forced to move the event to a casino with half the capacity because the casino had the security and they were willing to do it. Another venue nearby told us, we love what you're doing, but we will have our venue burned down if we host this conversation. The protesters showed up to the after party and Daryl Davis, having de-radicalized over 200 Klansmen said, I'm gonna go talk to these guys and see what's up. 
And you know what they did? They screamed at him and wouldn't let him say one word. Mm. He was so shocked. He wrote, he wrote this, this post on Facebook where he said, I, I can't believe it. I've never experienced anything like this. What is, what is going on with these people? And mm. it ended up going massively viral because the current state of politics in this country is the younger left generation. We call it the left. Whatever you, we, we call it. Group A, group B, whatever. They are unwilling to compromise, unwilling to talk. They are uh, angry, mm-hmm. chaotic, and destructive. So, uh, for example, the guy who said the Washington Post never posted a private address and everyone's showing the image of them doing it. And he's like, no, they didn't. These are people who don't care about what's true. They know that they can say it and they're people gullible, gullible enough to just believe it. And that gives them power. So you have uh, it was the late David Graeber who said elements of the left have adopted the fascistic tenet. There is no truth but power. And uh, this guy was called the anarchist anthropologist. He was one of the progenitors of Occupy Wall Street. He uh, later in his life, he said, I'm watching the left embrace fascistic mm-hmm. tenets. Yeah. And that's and that's where we are now, where uh, the corporate press will outright make something up. Their allies and nonprofits will make things up. The whole insurrection narrative, all of this stuff are outright lies. My favorite example in this capacity is that in January, I said, it's going to be very difficult to convict someone of trespassing at the Capitol when the police opened the doors for them. The Young Turks then make up a lie that I said people who are violent shouldn't be charged because there were no signs, and it works for their audience. I invite them on the show. I say, we'll cover all your costs. We've known each other for years. They laugh, and they say, of course not. We don't care. We don't actually care about this stuff. Daryl Davis is 64 years old, by the way. He's turned 64 in March. Happy birthday. Mm -hmm. I think that's a a good point, though, Tim, is like it's, it's like a lack of any initiative to engage with the other side. And I'm wondering, like, back in the 60s and 70s, like, you know, somebody who was, like, a uh, Bible-thumping, you know, whatever, World War II veteran who had the white picket fence, and then their kid went off to Vietnam, and they were all, for, you know, were you not, like, not willing to engage with somebody like that? Like, was it, you know, if you're this, then I won't even talk to you? I think, you know, when earlier we talked about it being more generational than partisan, um, because we were filled with hope about the fact that we could make a change, we could make a difference, we could end the war. And if it might have been naive, but that's how we united. And we disagreed. I mean, Richard Nixon was the enemy because he perpetuated the war. And uh, but, but would you talk to a Nixon supporter? Like, because I think that's the I same mentality. I tried to talk to my father about it. Well, the the, the, yeah. the feminists today are pro-war. What do you? That's a broad generalization, <laughs> but it's true. What do you mean? I'm so, a feminist. I'm not pro-war, right? So my generation's feminists are pro-war, yeah, but weird. not all of them. Well, weird. I mean, we, we, I, I never. I'm, I didn't say absolutely. I'm saying if you were to take ten modern feminists right now and ask them if they wanted intervention in Ukraine, they'd say yes. That's probably a fair point. Absolutely. Uh, Donald Trump uh, got us the Abraham Accords. I'm so uh, confused about everything. <laughs> There's Just like second, third wave feminism from 1994. There's fourth wave feminism from 2010. So you got to be specific. Well, let's, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. Either tacitly or, or, or directly pro-war uh, for our generation's feminists, right? The people who would wear those pink hats right now are the ones with the Ukraine flags in their bios, and they're, and they're the ones that I are, don't think that's absolutely true. My well, niece wore one of those uh, pink hats. Right. So I'm not saying absolutely. I'm and, saying you if, know, you take, she didn't, what? if you take 10 of these people and ask them, do you think the U.S. should be involved in the Ukraine-Russia war? They'll say yes. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think Chris Chris Coons, a, a Democratic senator, said it's time for U.S. boots on the ground. Yeah, you've I mean got, it's a paradigm got, shift. It's a paradigm shift. Right. There are still plenty of those hippie but, but, granola folks. Those are the they're also like anti-vax. A lot but, of those but, people, but, yeah. but take a look at this point. Uh, with Donald Trump, no new wars. For, for the first time in my life, a president did not start a war. In fact, with uh, with Kushner's guidance, we got the Abraham Accords, which brought economic stability between countries like uh, Saudi Arabia or the, or uh, or just countries at, at, with Israel. So now planes are allowed to fly over Israel. Tremendous peace. There was also, I think, um, what else was it? Was it Bosnia? He had that uh, uh, other peace agreement. He was withdrawing our troops from Afghanistan. He was getting our troops out of Syria. He was uh, uh, generally uh, making moves to end war. And that's one of the reasons I did not vote for him in 2016, but I did in 2020, because he's had a timeline for the withdrawal from Afghanistan. But today's feminists of my generation oppose that and they voted for joe biden who was part of an administration that caused i think seven wars started seven wars so whether tacitly or directly and tacitly i say you look at donald trump's body of work as an activist and you say i'd rather vote for the guy who starts war as opposed to the guy who ends them they're pro-war that's tacit now the direct stuff is the people who right now are aligning with democrats saying they want intervention in ukraine malcolm nance I mean, he's an MBC, MSNBC host, went to, to Ukraine. He's 60 years old, and he's got a fake picture of himself holding a gun in, in tactical gear. These people are outright pro-war. Well, I think that they think if we go in, we'll end the war, which is why yeah, that's they want to get involved. It's not a United States uh, issue. Yeah, but neither was World War II until no, the Germans talking posed about, a real threat we're talking to about Paris. A, it's a regional conflict. So was World War II. If Vladimir Putin invades Poland, NATO can intervene. Ukraine is not a, not a NATO country. It is not an EU country. And they have a conf- conflict with Russia. And you have Democrats and the, the, you know, our generation's left saying intervention, war, weapons, etc. I mean, it's absolutely insane. The, the arguments I'm hearing from progressives are that we should have a no-fly zone, huh. which is a declaration of war on Russia. Yeah, I think they're misguided. <clears throat> but a lot that, of them are. It's, it's like, it's almost as if, I mean, that is kind of embedded in exactly what you said is kind of the substance of a paradigm shift, which is like it used to be the right that was always reactionary and always responding from what the left did. And, you know, whatever they do, we have to oppose because we need to retain our traditions and values. But now it's like it's almost like once Donald Trump took control of the Republican Party, it's like every the left has to react to everything that they do. Let's say, no, that's got to be. But it, it was Trump and Bernie. Yeah. Trump and Bernie were a generational flip that just shocked mm-hmm. the whole system. Now, yeah. Bernie lost. Uh, and, you know, Hillary won that primary. Donald Trump stormed his way into the Republican Party and brought with him a wave of 
you know, very much a shift from the traditional conservative model to a more left economic. What about North policy. Korea and the fact that he was palsy walesy with? That's fantastic. I nearly cried when um, <laughs> when he was negotiating peace. My 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 great grandfather is from what would now be called North Korea, and the prospect of de escalation was 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 fa- was fascinating. And Trump was was negotiating that Donald Trump crossed into North Korean territory with Good. no security. Yep. That was one of the most profound well, plus like anti-war moments of my life. We've been palsy walsy with the Saudi Arabians for generations, yeah, well, and I nobody's know. called that into question because but, it's not but, one of the. But you know. just just think about this: Donald Trump crossed into North Korea with no security and walked peacefully up with Kim Jong Un, and I was just my jaw hit the floor. I was like, they could have snatched him up. They could have grabbed him and said, now you give us what we want. They shook his hand. He walked back. They smiled and waved and he left. And I said, that Mm -hmm. is leadership. Donald Trump risked his life. Now I get it. The threat is backed by we have nuclear bombs, but we're not going to mutually assured destruction, they always say. No, Donald Trump, I couldn't believe he did that. The, The guy they claim is the most selfish and insane guy in the world just risked his life. For what point? I was just like... It would it would be a profound moment for me to hear that the Korean Peninsula had been reunited, and Donald Trump made tremendous steps in that direction. I I don't think it was perfect. I think Kim Jong Un is a bad guy. I think they they t- took advantage of Trump in many ways, but that was incredible. I'm looking at uh, just as clarification. It looks like Bosnia wasn't involved in the peace deal, but it was it was uh, Serbia and Kosovo. Serbia, oh, sorry, Serbia, right, Kosovo right, right. Yeah, 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 yep. Yeah, and these peace deals. Yeah, I do have a lot of issues with Trump. He wasn't definitely wasn't perfect, but it's nice to to see somebody that's not part of the war machine. But come but out. Look, look at the people who came out and were like, "Oh, the Obama administration, the ones who signed the indefinite detention provisions in the in the National Defense Authorization Act, Barack Obama, who authorized extrajudicial assassinations of American citizens, and they were like, I would rather have that guy, his vice president, than Donald Trump, who signed peace agreements mm-hmm. and 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 fought and worked towards ending conflict internationally, no new wars." And they voted for Joe Biden. I just the left is 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 profoundly pro war. When do you think that happened? Was it like so? You just mentioned Bosnia. Like Ma, during the Bosnia War, the American public, right? They were pretty for intervention, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was Clinton. Is that when it flipped? When the left wing started to become pro war? Like because you were anti war, you were progressive in the sixties. How did that? How did that change? You know how? Like why is two thousand eight? You think it was 2008? George, George W. Bush. I remember marching in protests over the war in Iraq. And I was a teenager, so I knew very little for the most part about what was going on other than why are we invading this war over weapons of mass destruction and all that stuff? And we were told it wasn't true. People were marching with signs saying George W. Bush was Hitler and all that. And I was mostly just kind of like, yeah, punk rock. Ooh, screw the system. George W. Bush is bad. And uh, boy, was it a cold splash of water when we did it. Barack Obama got elected. Uh-huh. And then... I said, all right, well, the first thing Obama did, one of the first orders he signed was bombing a village full of women and children. And I said, guys, guys, hey, let's keep this protest going. They went, no, we're good. And they all disappeared. All these anti-war protesters were gone. I think what happened was it was this is the, the, the emergence of overt tribalism. Around the same time, Facebook and Twitter and these other social networks started emerging, and people developed tribal identities, which is I support Barack Obama. That's who I am. I don't care what he does. And for me, I was kind of like, I think killing children is bad. Huh. So well, when, what was the, what are you referring to? I'm not sure I remember. Barack that. Obama? Yeah. Barack Obama authorized a drone strike on a civilian restaurant in Yemen, killing a 16 year old American citizen named Abdul Rahman Alalaki. And the response from the White House when asked about it was, oops, we were trying to kill a different terrorist by bombing a civilian restaurant. 
Just so turns out, though, uh, Anwar Alalaki, his dad, was an American citizen who was also killed in an extrajudicial assassination signed off by Obama. And to me, it sounded like Obama was sending a signal, we will kill your children. That's just my opinion. All that matters is I won't speculate in the absence of evidence. The solution, which makes the least amount of assumptions, tends to be correct. Barack Obama authorized the assassination of an American citizen by bombing a civilian cafe. And people voted for him again. I didn't. And people voted for I his did. VP over <laughs> Donald Trump. I voted for him twice. So here you have a guy <laughs> who is quite literally killing not only children in these countries under the Obama administration in order to get around the fact that it was being reported they were executing civilians by drone. They said, if the male is over 18, we don't care what they're doing, carrying water, harvesting crops, raising goats, they're enemy combatants because they're military age. When our good friend Luke Rydkowski confronted the administration on the execution of the American citizen, I can't remember the guy's name, was Charlie Gibbs? He said he should have had a better father. Mm. That was their attitude. And Mm. so I sit here, I watch all of this stuff. And then I say, I have always maintained that I think this is disgusting. Since the George W. Bush era, I have Mm -hmm. learned my lesson with voting for people like Obama. When Donald Trump came around with Hillary Clinton, I laughed. Mm -hmm. You think I'm voting for Trump? Nice try. Hillary Clinton? She's a warmonger to, to beat out all warmongers. She didn't get my vote either. And then in Donald Trump's presidency, we saw a return of American manufacturing. We saw $3 billion investment in Michigan. We saw a challenging of the racist policies coming out of critical race theory. And we saw no new wars. We saw historic peace agreements and attempts at other historic peace agreements. And I said, I got to vote for this guy. He needs another term. And now what we have is the people who are supposed to be anti-war are the ones who are going around smashing windows and starting fires, cheering on intervention and bombing in Ukraine, calling for no-fly zones. It's just... There was never in my life, I think I was taken for a ride early on when these people claimed they were anti-war, but the whole time they were just, I want power and I will say whatever I have to say to get it. Obama did run on a platform of, you know, non-intervention and pulling out of Middle Eastern conflicts. And ultimately it was quite the contrary. You know, was it, was it seven, I think it was seven new wars, but I'm, uh, you know. Are you counting Libya, the no-fly yeah, zone? Yeah, Syria, Libya. Counting well, Syria, I mean, come Syria. on, Hillary Clinton, we came, we saw he died. Yep. So I'm yeah. still stuck on the feminists being warmongers. I still haven't <laughs> grokked that thought. With respect to Ukraine, I, I actually I think that that's probably correct, which is the majority of you know progressives. Weird, yeah. yeah, if you um, bet Midler, she posted a picture of like a, a, a three year old Ukrainian girl waving a flag, and she's like, "We have to do it for her." You know, it's like be you know be brave mm-hmm. or whatever. Just seeing the call, like, uh, I think it was Chris Coons, he said, uh, we need U.S. soldiers on the ground. These are Democrats. The Republicans, I think, would love the war. The problem is the younger civil libertarian types and conservatives do not want war. And that's why they really like mm-hmm. Trump. So the Republican Party is, is in a bind. You know, they despise Trump. They despise the populists. But mm-hmm. so long as there are, uh, you know, the, the, the left likes to, you know, the, the, the Democrat aligned people like to call me right wing. And I'm like, I don't care what you call me. I will vote for a Republican in two seconds if they if they stand by ending foreign uh, conflict. But more more incursions. Right. I understand that if, um, you know, there are terrorists. Right. We had 9-11. And uh, Tulsi Gabbard, I believe, and uh, Ron Paul were both, this is left and right, both of the opinion that we should go after only terrorists and not declare war on an entire nation and destabilize their government and nation build. Ron Paul said we should uh, enact a letter of mark and reprisal to target those groups, which is sending private groups to engage in low-tier, non-nationwide conflict. Instead, we were like, let's invade Afghanistan, tear down their government, and build up a new one over 20 years. Never should have happened. 
So the Democrats and the Republicans were totally on board with that. You bring me a Donald Trump and I mm-hmm. laugh. I then watch him say, here's the timeline for our withdrawal from this country. And I was like, okay, go on. He says, I also want to make sure we're not involved in Syria. And I'm like, yes, what else? He goes, Abraham Accords. We're going to make peace agreements in the Middle East. And I was like, all right, I said, this guy needs another term. Instead, the left, the progressives, they they made videos saying Trump is an existential threat to America. And we have to vote. Well, he is. If you're a warmongering, you know, international elite bankster supporting warmonger, whatever, that's what we get. So the people who are like, you know, the, the, the feminists on YouTube, uh, the people who claim to be feminists were the ones saying we should elect the warmonger president with a corrupt son who was doing illicit business dealings in China and Ukraine. And I'm just like, these people have become just overtly evil, overtly. Not like uh, uh, Trump's core cult members are good people, but Donald Trump did such tremendous good. I would rather the United States have internal problems than be blowing up kids in foreign countries. Well, we definitely have internal problems, so you're winning on that one. No, 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 no. I rather it's, it, if it was one or the other. You bring these problems here, we can work to solve them. Tim, you got to get some left wingers in here. Well, so uh, shout out, shout out to Matt Bender, who is yeah. not emailed. I don't like yet. thinking of left and right, man. It's, no, if you I, well, create someone as the other, unfortunately, then that's gonna, what the conversation is. It doesn't have to be though. Well, it, I agree, but. Like we get, they got us in a psychological war. This is True. intentional, and yeah. it's been instantiated. So if you get angry, you lose. We got to stay calm Ian. and direct and focused and build things. When we say left or right, again, it's it's literally just sphere of influence signifiers. I, like I said, we can call it Group A, Group B. I, my, pol, uh, uh, economically, I'm center left. Now they don't care. They say, "Ha ha!" You know, Tim's lying. Blah. Yeah, but like, there have to be some centrist. We've had a couple. We've had a couple. That's the but, problem, though. I mean, is that everybody's being it's it's in the discourse within the discourse. Well, there's no nuance. It's like you either have to take this side or you take that side. Well, you're here, pro Ukraine or you're pro Russia. Well, here's here's the question: um, Do you believe it, it is an imperative in subjects of politics and news to tell the truth? Yeah. What is truth? That's right wing. The left believes there is no truth but power. So there's a group called by any means necessary. They 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 will. They will write these things down. They will tell you that the ends justify the means. So what happens is, why won't a leftist come on this show, a left winger? Did Joe Biden engage in corrupt activities with his son in Ukraine? The answer is a fact. It's yes. We know this through a series of court rulings, reporting, and sworn affidavits from people involved. Uh, A prosecutor in Ukraine was fired because Joe Biden intervened and told the president to fire him. Otherwise, he would illegally withhold U.S. aid to Ukraine. The prosecutor was investigating a company called Burisma, where Joe Biden's son was on the board getting $83,000 a month. These are facts. Now, when I say that, they say, you're conservative. And I'm like, I didn't say anything about abortion or taxes. And that doesn't matter. And if you tell the truth, they don't come on the show. Because if they do, we can show them the facts. And it's forcing them with their audience in tow to acknowledge that they were lying to their audience. Yeah, but to continue talking us, them, doesn't help anybody. Well, I I was just going to say that, you know, you said the left's consensus on truth is like truth is power. Mm -hmm. I think it it really did come out of like the counterculture movement of the 60s and 70s and and post-World War II Europe, where like critical theory was this idea that modernity and all the institutions that have been built up around it were like, we need to reexamine this. All of the great works that prop you know propelled western civilization forward 
all of these ideas about science, we need to question all of it. And so critical theory is like, you know, the waves of feminism that we're talking about are successive waves of critiquing and critiquing. And at a certain point, the critique becomes the mainstream. So well, like, that's where we're at now. I, I suppose, like, I suppose my question is, why do you think it is you didn't know that Barack Obama ordered the, uh, a drone strike on a civilian restaurant killing an American child? I don't know. And I'm still listening with half an ear. You know, I don't know. I think uh, someone mentioned in the chat, and I, you know, I, I saw it, that the issue is people aren't in the news. For, for whatever reason, they're either not getting the information or they're choosing to avoid the information. I certainly think CNN is just lying all the time, and we constantly have to debunk a lot of their lies. I would say a good portion of CNN is, is, is actually good reporting. What about Fox? Do you think Fox tells the truth all the time? I think Fox is... Are you talking about truth? Absolutely. If, if Fox's news reporting, just like CNN's, tends to be actually really good. Uh, Brett Bayer and Bill Hammer do a really great job. Mm-hmm. Tucker Carlson does a good job. Uh, Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram are just mm-hmm. particularly biased. Yeah. I'm not a big fan. Uh, and Tucker has had his goofy segments where he's yeah. like, M&Ms aren't sexy or whatever. What? Uh, Rachel Maddow, however, like, for years, just egged on insane conspiracy theories about Russia that were just so over the top and without basis. Any any rational person should have stopped for a moment and say, "Is this lady lying to me?" Well, is the, this not the thing real? about truth and honesty is, if you believe something is real but it's not, and you tell someone it's real, mm-hmm. you're wrong, but you're not lying. You don't because mm-hmm. you're not yeah. you're not intentionally deceiving them. So a lot of people are just wrong because they haven't done the research or they haven't seen the research or it's been obfuscated from them okay. or all the above. So when Taylor Lorenz of the Washington Post puts a direct link to the private home address of an individual in her story, and then there's a backlash. So the Washington Post removes it and then issues a public statement statement we did not link to private details. An outright lie. That is not wrong. That is a lie because they removed it, which means they knew it was there, which means the statement after the fact is a provable lie. And and for whatever reason, these these Democrat voter progressive activists, people like uh, uh, Matt Bender, who never emailed to come on the show, even though agreed to just pretend like it's true because these people are they, they have the fact that the, the fascistic tenet, there is no truth but power. And that's me citing the anarchist anthropologist, the late David Graeber. So what am I supposed to do? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure well, that's, out. You've, you've always followed like the tra- traditional news sources, and we always have conversations where it's like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, what is this thing that's going on that's apparently a problem that I haven't heard about? And it's because, you know, kind of all of those corporate institutions that tell people what's going on in the world, it, it behooves them not to pay attention to those things that are upsetting to what the is, status well, quo. Well, the rules of the game have changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there what aren't are, any rules anymore, it seems. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it seems like the only people following the rules are what is colloquially, colloquially known as the right. But, Richie, what did the New York Times say about you? <laughs> they called me a rioter. That's right. Yes, and they, they knew did. it wasn't true, right? That he punched yeah, well, the door. There's, yes, there's a longer story there, which we'll, I'll explain in, um, uh, as I'm writing it down. Um, but basically what happened was that they took a photograph of me. I have a certain appearance. I um, assumed. I, I look yes. a little bit like a knuckle-dragging Neanderthal. Uh, who would, you know, be like one of those, uh, you know, Trump supporting monkeys. And so then they saw the photo of me after being pepper sprayed and they, um, you know, took that surface level, uh, assumption. But really, if they had have looked, you know, even for 10 minutes, they would have realized that they relied on my reporting in Kenosha. So, um, really what it was there is, oh, he's, you know, he's a rioter. He's a Trump supporter. We don't even need to do our due diligence because he's, uh, you know, he doesn't deserve. That. And the photograph was taken in front of that, you know, that, 
famous photo with the door punched right. yeah. that was shattered. And they said, who punched the door? Yeah. So if they, if they, they lie, I mean, no. can you imagine? My mom was so pissed. She was oh, like, yeah. who is, give me that guy's, <laughs> who's the photographer? No, I wrote a letter that, I mean, I wrote a letter that night and a good friend of mine talked me out of it because it wouldn't have done Richie any good. So, so there's something called the Gelman amnesia effect. This refers to when you encounter a news story that you know to be false, yeah. but then assume the news in other areas is telling the truth. So you know what they said about your own son. Right. Mm-hmm. Now imagine what every story is like. Yeah. Why assume any of the other stories are true? Well, again, I, I would prefer n- not to use these sweeping generalizations, Tim, but I, you know, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just would like to figure out a way that there can be a more productive conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that, you know, when I was marching in Washington, going to Arlington Cemetery with, we carried coffins and, you know, it was a very dramatic effort. Um, I'm not sure how many, how many people we alienated and how many people we sort of, um, corralled, but it, it there just doesn't seem to be any meeting of the ways anymore. Well, the right certainly is trying. Again, colloquially, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the, we've certainly reached out to tons of people. And you have this meme, Ben Shapiro. Yeah. Or saying, debate me, debate me. Because Ben Shapiro has consistently tried to have sit-down conversations with people on the left. They won't do it. In fact... So some- it's true for him as well, you're saying. Oh, this is a known issue, right? When when okay. when Ben Shapiro went on this show, he was sitting next to a trans woman, and when he, when he gave his opinions, the trans woman grabbed him and threatened to put him in the hospital. Ben Shapiro still will invite people to to come debate him, or or he, you know, I, I, to be fair, Ben told us he's like, I don't ask for debates, I ask for conversations, and if yeah. we argue, we argue. They won't do it. When he mm-hmm. tried showing up to DePaul in Chicago, the police told him if he took one more step, he would be arrested because it's a safety risk. These people have been burning down buildings to prevent conversations. We, uh, they threatened to burn down the theater where we were hosting our event because they wanted to stop. And it worked. The, the, the theater said, sue me. I don't care. The damages I'd have to pay you are cheaper than me rebuilding my theater. So we had to move the event because there's a certain level of, of threat and pressure that normal people cannot tolerate. When, when Antifa is allowed to kill the, these Black Lives Matter rioters and Antifa, their rioting resulted in the death of between 26 and 32 people. And Kamala Harris donated. She solicited donations on Twitter to bail these people out of jail. Joe Biden's staff members solicited donations or actually gave donations to bail these people out. When you have the January 17th rioters, uh, I'm sorry, the January 20th rioters in 2017, Trump's inauguration, they, they torched a limo that belonged to an immigrant. They smashed a bunch of windows and when the police arrested them, they they all got off. In fact, not only did they get off, they sued D.C. and won millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So now you have somebody who owns a venue and they get a phone call and they say, we're Antifa and you know what will happen. They'll say anything you say because yeah. the right isn't going to do this. The police also won't stop Antifa. But if, if, if a bunch of right wingers go, go to the Capitol, they'll get a year in solitary confinement. If you get 90 to a, was it, 100 plus days of left wing extremists firebombing a federal building in the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. where, where a, a handful of these people get charged for sure, but only the ones who really pr- pu- push the boundaries. 
for the most part, it's like anybody, anybody who even walked in the building, you know, befuddled are getting called a, a violent terrorist extremist and, and having their jobs destroyed. A woman who didn't even go in had her home raided in Alaska. It's very obvious that when, you know, Bubba, what was it name? Bubba Wallace yeah. has 12 FBI agents or however many mm-hmm. storm NASCAR over a garage pole rope, but you can't get the FBI to investigate, you know, very serious crimes like, you know, that we've seen with Antifa, then you have to wonder. Uh, I, w- I want to keep that one a little vague, but I've had my, my dealings where we're wondering, like, mm-hmm. why isn't, uh, uh, you know, with our security issues, where where's law enforcement? Like, what, 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 there's, there's an active investigation. Maybe something will happen. But we've had death threats. We've had people call in fake uh, SWAT police raids to this building eight times. And the bomb squad has shown up. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. Don't you think the shoe, like, the shoe's kind of on the other foot now, though. Back in the 60s and 70s, it was all of these left-wing progressive groups that were being infiltrated by the authoritarian government. It, it, and it's, it's not on the other foot. It's, I mean, well, my point is, is that now it's the, you know that um, those groups aren't the ones that are that are representing the same existential threat. That the, Those people were pro-free speech, right? Mm-hmm. And they were anti-war? Mm-hmm. Which side is pro-free speech and anti-war right yeah. now? Well, that's, yeah, exactly. So those who are for, for the, free speech, the rights of the people, who are for pushing back against corrupt corporate power and war, that would be described as, today, the right. Mm-hmm. The, the left is, they're, pro, they're, they're, they're not protesting... Uh, I don't want to confuse that protest we saw in the chamber because that was that was debunked. But there are people outraged that DeSantis stripped Disney of their tax privileges, a massive multinational corporation. The left is like, we should give tax cuts. These people should be allowed. Ron DeSantis, what he's doing is wrong. It's just like, why are you cheering for the corporations? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're outraged that uh, uh, Elon Musk wants to buy Twitter saying, oh, no, we can't let billionaires get social media. But. They've been defending these same billionaires for a decade, <laughs> saying it's a private company. They can do what they want. So I, I don't think I think left and right are just tribal signifiers. We can call it up, down. We can call it left, right. We can call it A, B. But it's not binary. There's too many. There's so many different people with so many different thoughts. Mm-hmm. If someone thinks that they're another to you, particularly for you, if you're like the left is horrible and that guy's a leftist, that guy's going to be like, well, then, dude, I don't want to be near you if you're going to call me that. I'm not. Ian, I think you have an issue with trying to dissect uh, for the sake of argument instead of actually in, in, uh, engaging with the argument. Well, I think this is a, a part of the reason why you're having trouble inviting certain people on. If you if you predispose them as being part of this evil idea or group, then it's going to be a lot harder to get them to be like, okay, he's cool. Well, you don't. are very passionate about it, Tim. It's true. So when uh, uh, they post over, like the Young Turks, right? They just make things up, Right. And I, I still, I so, they so. literally do. And then I don't engage with them. And how often do I say, call out people's names and, and, and say them? In, infrequently, maybe a couple times a week. Four, or I maybe. usually say, I don't want to say their name. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. want to. Minimize harm. When I privately reach out to them, they just say, screw off. Mm-hmm. They, they, look, man, I think there's a reality that you don't want to acknowledge. Because for whatever reason, uh, I, I don't know. Because you say this all the time, like, oh, we can't say left or right. Yeah, it's like, look, because Mao did it. You really want to be like Mao? You're in the just, position of Mao right now. You have that power. That's a ridiculous reduction. <laughs> you argument. have a cultural <laughs> revolution of people that are listening to you right now. And, and Ian, right? See, what you're doing right now is you're creating a false argument. No, I, this, I'm very serious. A this internet guy, technology is insanely thing, So if you do that thing, it's the same thing. No, you have that cultural power that he had. You have more power than he had. Well, I did not create the idea of leftists existing. 
No, no, no. That was a French Revolution thing. But but it's uh-huh. it's up to you, man. Your your words are like convincing so people. Your issue is once again semantics. Definitely, that's it. Or literology, okay, no, whatever argument. you want to call. We it. should move on. I don't want to waste time arguing the definitions of words that don't actually add to the conversation. I'm saying if you def- if you divide people, then we're going to be living in a divided society. But if right. you unite people, then we will be united. How do you unite people? By dispensing with these false paradigms, these what false, false dichotomies. Paradigm? Left and right, A and B, up and down. People aren't well, black and white. Doesn't unwrap. Well, we're in a paradigm shift, right? So, like, some of our definitions of things like left and right, Republican and Democrat, are changing. And so, I think a, a byproduct of that is always going to be some degree of uncomfortability where people are like, oh, I'm outside of my comfort zone. This isn't exactly the way that I grew up, that I knew everything to be. So, like, on the one hand, you're saying, oh, we can't be using these terms because it kind of casts people in these whatever antiquated boxes. But also, if you don't use words, then how can you communicate? you know, any kind of ideas like about these political, you know, ideas, like you have to put them somewhere. So like, what would be your solution there? I think a lot of it is communicating with emotions instead of logic. Hmm. How does that happen? Keep talking. Like, like, you know, you got to kind of understand people and listen to them as they are without labeling them. It's tempting to want to put people in boxes so that you can understand them maybe better, but it's just about calming people down. Really? Here, I made a picture. Nice. There you go. (laughs) That's Magnetic it's a, field. It's, it's a it's a butt crack. No, it's a, uh, <laughs> it's the left and the right. Well, turn it up, turn it sideways. Now, what is, is it? Is the there up no, and the down? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Now rip it in half. What is it then? It doesn't matter what you want to call it. The point is, what I'm showing you here is there's many different lines and there's many different points, and they're all very far away from each other. But some of them, there's there's still a very clear split between the two groups. But you'll notice in the middle, they overlap a little bit. The point is, using using terms like left and right, as I often say, are not absolute, which you seem to think they are. It's a description of the spheres of influence that exist and have a slight merger at the point where there's some, you know, maybe, uh, what, what do they call it? The stressed sideliners, what Pew, Pew uh, Research called them. For the most part, however, everyone seems to fall on one side, either by 0.1 degrees or by 100 degrees. The fact remains, left and right are simply things we use to describe the umbrellas that surround the two different parent factions. I thought, uh, Thomas Massey came on the show a few months ago, and he was pretty said something pretty profound. Where he said, in the back of like the chamber where the Congress hangs out, there's two dressing rooms specifically. Like they built it to have two political parties. They mm-hmm. do not want more than that. They mm-hmm. want to maintain this uniparty of duality by keeping people like wild animals. It's like sports. They want it to be like two teams trying to win. Well, it's an easy way to have a huge democracy where people have the air of, you know, things going back and forth when in reality they're not. So here's, here's what happens. It's right? like people think that they, you know, represent, oh, this side's fighting for me. But then in reality, it's just two sides that are basically so, going in the same direction. So right now, leftists are posting fake tweets and fake quotes from me that say things like Tim Pool has called for the death of this person or that dude the other day on Tim's show, he was saying that people need to go out and get violent against this group of people and they believe it. Of course, that never happened, right? So what happens is the people in that sphere of influence now typically believe these things. And it's really remarkable when, for some reason, conservatives think I'm an atheist, which I've never said. And people on the left claim that I'm a far-right religious conservative, 
which I've also never claimed. But a fair point, if you want, if from your perspective, you want to think I'm more religious because I do believe in God. But when they say things like, you know, Tim believes this thing about taxes, and I'm like, every time I've talked about taxes, I've talked about like the need for higher tax brackets and, and a stronger progressive tax on the wealthy. Even Steve Bannon has said tax the rich, but they'll lie and make fake quotes. And then in that sphere of influence, which is absolutely split between two parent umbrellas, they all believe that. So when I get into a conversation with someone on the left, which I recently did, he said something like, you're pro-doxing, Tim. You would absolutely dox Antifa at a moment's notice. I know what you right-wingers do. What does that mean, doxy? Uh, Dox means to publish the private details of an individual, like their phone number, their home, their name. And I said, no, I actually have a huge policy against that. And I often avoid saying names on my show to to prevent what's called a brigade when everyone targets Mm -hmm. an individual. And he was like, no, I heard you say, he's like, I remember during Occupy Wall Street, you were trying to film people's faces and, and publish their names. And I said, that never happened. He goes, yes, it did. Everybody knows it because they lied and made these things up. What really happened is during Occupy Wall Street, I was walking down the street and I saw three people wearing masks, deflating police tires, and I was filming. So they attacked me. Mm -hmm. And I said, transparency is what matters. If something is happening in public, I'm going to film it. If you don't want your identity revealed, wear a mask. So what they did was, okay, that's a tenet most people would actually agree with. If you are in the public and you are causing damage, we have a right to know what you're doing for whatever cause. You can wear a mask if you want to protect your identity. But if you're in public during a protest doing these things, people will see you do it. What grounds do you have to violently assault on someone who happens to have a camera? Knowing that they have no winning argument, they changed it and just lied and said Tim Poole was trying to take their masks off and publish their names. Interesting discussion. And, and they also, the, the official Occupy Wall Street account tweeted Tim Poole just tried to arrest someone which was an outright lie. And it was so egregious that one of the other activist groups matches them and said, take that down now. Like you went too far and they had to remove it. That's what happens when you have control of the discourse. Right. Is mm-hmm. you can propagate whatever you want and it won't, you know, like you were saying with Barack Obama um, blowing up an American citizen and not being properly reported on um, why my mom didn't know about it. It's like I was working at NBC during Obama, at the end of Obama's second term. And it was like the degree to which you know, these people had gotten their jobs in the White House press corps specifically because they asked all the right questions. You ask a question about that drone blowing up that American citizen in that White House briefing, you can say goodbye to asking any more questions to the, you know, the, the press secretary. So it's like after 40 years of us going like, you know, kind of in the same direction, left or right, it didn't matter because you had this institution of the media that was just wasn't going to question it. Well, l- l- let me ask you a question. You, you asked me about whether Fox News was was honest. Mm-hmm. Do you think Fox News is dishonest? I don't believe anybody. So <laughs> that's a dumb answer, but um, I, I think I think Fox News, in the same way that CNN, I think they everybody exaggerates. Everything is hyperbolic. So there's even that statement. What even exactly. that statement was hyperbolic. That's <laughs> there's a really great tweet that I actually they never let me pull up anymore because I think Instagram got rid of it. Maybe because it's a little bit too close to exposing what's actually going on. Let me see if I can pull it up. There is a uh, an image that I posted showing two televisions. One has CBS and one has Fox News. It was when Gordon Sondland was testifying in the Ukraine Gate scandal to impeach Donald Trump. In his statement, he said, there was no quid pro quo, but I felt like there was one. 
So CBS reports Sondland confirms quid pro quo. Mm-hmm. Fox News, quote, Sondland, no quid pro quo. Mm-hmm. The reality is that the Fox News statement was the correct statement because the opinion of someone and how they thought or felt is immaterial to what was actually occurring at the time. Yet people who watched that network, uh, well, they believe fake news. Let me see if I can find it. Whenever I try to pull it up on the show, it doesn't let me. What was it like when Kennedy, I mean, you were pretty young, but like with Kennedy, you know, was he like a transformative, like, did he upset the discourse and kind of half the country in the same way that Trump did? Yes, mostly because he was a Catholic. Mm. Here we go. And because he was young. Hmm. So on the right, Fox News, quote, I want nothing. Sondland confirms Trump told him no quid pro quo on the left. This is CBS Evening News. Sondland confirms quid pro quo. (laughs) That's wild. But Fox News was right. Uh, I want nothing was a quote. Donald Trump was quoted as saying no quid pro quo. And all Sondland said was, you know, but I kind of felt like there was one. I'm like, okay, well, what you feel is is not material to a, a legal proceeding. Yeah. Like the colors are even blue and red. Yeah, I it makes that. me think of football. Well, like I mean, that's what they got us doing. They're making us play <laughs> political football with each other. But who was against the Iraq war and the WMD narrative at that time? CNN and MSNBC were just as on board as Fox. And that's what we were talking about earlier, which is like, there, there is a certain, you know, no-go zone, and it's politically incorrect to not, you know, you can't mention anything about anything other than pro-Ukraine. Same thing during the Iraq War, which was like, if you're, if you support the hijackers on 9-11, then sure, you might question the Iraq War, oh. but otherwise, you know, and there was such a fear from people in the public eye. I remember sitting with dad, like, switching between the channels and being like, yeah, look, see, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, they all say the same thing about the war. You know, why is that? Because, like you said, the left used to be anti-war. Yeah, Luke Rutkowski did phenomenal work about 9-11 and all sorts of evidence that the war in, in Afghanistan was full of it. That all, all this evidence that it wasn't what the mainstream media told us. The buildings fall and freaking free fall, it looks like, sometimes. And, like... No, Ian, you're, you're yeah, exactly. Even people like Tim is like has to yell out or, or chooses to yell out against. But it's like you can't. No, because how I honest like can you be on this? You don't know. How, I just but watched wait, a long documentary back, on it. Can I go back to feminism for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. I want to hear what Lydia has to say because you are of a much younger generation than me. And how do you perceive feminism in your generation? So feminism kind of breaks my heart because I think that most of the women in my generation have been lied to. I think they've been used politically, um, and I think that they're told lies to make them feel good about themselves. Earlier today, I was looking at a tweet from a feminist, and she was she compared two different screenshots of a Twitch title. She tried to title one something like "Women Are Bad," and she wasn't allowed what to is use Twitch? it. What Twitch is, is a Twitch? streaming Stream. service, okay. yeah. So they very carefully monitor what you use for titles. She tried to put in the title "Women Are Bad," and Twitch did not allow it. She tried to put in the title "Men Are Bad." That was fine. Mm-hmm. I've done the same thing with Instagram. I made a tweet about how, or I commented on Instagram that I thought that modern women were like lost and Instagram immediately took my comment down. Mm. I made the same comment about men. As far as I know, it's still up. Nothing <laughs> happened. It's really weird. But women think that everybody's on their side and they feel like they're winning this war. But mm-hmm. at the same time, they're being introduced like transgender athletes and men are kind of taking over these things that were yeah. once sacred spaces of women. Like these these spas where women are being exposed to men in their locker rooms and all these strange, weird, gross assaults are happening. And they're like, oh, it's fine. We're being inclusive. We're going to go along with it because we're nice and we're friendly and everyone's nice to us. I think that people have really taken advantage of women's caring, compassionate, safety-oriented nature 
to get the better of them and to get their political aims through. So this means things like opening the border. This means things like bringing people in from other countries instead of focusing on the people who live here first and foremost. It seems to me like Jordan Peterson talks about how we've never before seen feminine political pathology. We've seen masculine political pathology. That's when we go to war. That's when things get wild and crazy and bellicose. But we haven't seen the feminine form. And I think this is what we're seeing. And I think it's a different kind of sickness that we don't really know how to handle just because it is so new. And I think this might be one of the things that kind of disorients you about it, because I think that's what underpins a lot of the problems we see now. And like when we talk about, you know, feminists want to go to war or whatever, it's true that it's not all feminists, but it's the loudest ones. These are the ones who get attention. They've got the Ukrainian flag in their Twitter bio, and they are out there saying, we have to defend these poor children, even though it's in the best interest of Americans to stay out of that. Well, so Do you know the, the the Greek, I don't know if it's a play, it's called Lysistrata. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's Euripides. The women, in order to get the men from stop fighting, they just stopped having sex with the men. Yeah. And it's, that, it's, was, that was their power. Right. They say that women are the neck that turns the head. And this is true. Women have a kind of soft power that influences cultures. And I feel like there are kind of like dark forces that have kind of manipulated that so that they get women to do what they want by being nice, by being friendly, by saying, we're going to protect queer kids. We're going to make sure that everyone's safe. We're going to bring all these people into our country. And because women aren't having children and they don't have their own families to defend anymore, they're like, you know what? That's a great idea. Let's do it. I have this maternal instinct and nowhere to direct it. And I I think that's kind of what we're seeing. That's this is what I say. Yeah, it's terrible. It's Aristophanes wrote Lysistrata. Oh, cool. So is that your free love movement that screwed over the women in the oh, long man. run? Because that that <laughs> I mean, what Lydia just uh, what what you just mentioned in the play is you know women using the power that they have as women, which is as the gatekeepers right. to well, sex, and the free love movement got rid of that. Right? Let, 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 let well, me, not really. No. Can, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think people who are not citizens of the United States should be allowed to vote in our elections? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think... No. No. You no. think people... So if someone isn't a citizen of the U.S. Is Tim setting me up here? No, no, no. That's no. a legitimate question. question. Yeah. Go ahead. Should, should, should non-citizens be allowed to vote in our elections? I don't think so. Well, so you're conservative. Uh, <laughs> Welcome. I, I think I am. That's, well, I think uh, I am. I mean, I think I am. That's what that's what happened. The, the, the yeah. I'm getting more and more conservative. I must say. <laughs> I, I, w- I think it's fair to say that the modern intersectional feminist movement wants non-citizens to vote. So this is all very disturbing to me. It's a lot. Well, here's, to, the, New York, here's like, the New York Times. There is no good reason you should have to be a citizen to vote. What? I, can, I, I can easily pull up tons well, of these. I don't articles. read the New York. I think that's yeah, the perfect smart. example, though. The example that Tim just gave, which is the fear that I think. You know, like a lot of our generation has, like, like a lot of my peers is like, oh, okay, unless I, unless I'm following the current thing, unless I'm like up to date on like, you know, where I should be on like feminism and like the war in Ukraine, if I say the wrong thing, then they're going to call me right winger. And that's yeah, the but, worst thing that you can be called, you know, pejoratively in like polite society is like, call me but don't oh, you no. think there's something to taking all of this? Seriously? Yeah. I don't take that seriously. No, you lose if you take okay, it seriously. So in New York, better no, structures. No, 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 no. In New York, they have granted the right of non citizens to vote in New York City. Hmm. We have this non citizen voting rights gain traction as immigrants vote in an SF unified school board recall. When you don't take it seriously, it happens. And it is happening. Non citizens. Yeah, but don't let voting. it upset you, I guess is well, what I meant to say. I don't know. I, I mean we also had this um rank voting in rank New choice. York City. 
ranked choice, yeah. which m- totally manipulated the vote, in my opinion, because it it diluted the numbers of votes for whomever you know might have won, in my opinion. Well, rank, I like ranked choice voting. It's 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 not perfect, but the the way it works is you you say you know if there's four candidates, yeah. you number them. I, I just I don't normally have a, a rank for my. I just want one guy or another. Or well, you only get one. Yeah, I know. But if you're ranking them and that guy didn't get enough votes, then the, next the other gets guy it. gets it because mm-hmm. there were enough votes. And if he didn't have that, then well, it's better. It w- it would have been a pure voice, a more pure voice. It's, it's a, well, the issue is. You know, Trump and Hillary in 2016, both the most, some of the most despised candidates in history. Everybody basically was like, I don't want either, but if I don't vote for this one, I'll get the other one. Right. With ranked choice voting, you say, eh, well, I don't want Hillary, so I'll give Trump number, you know, two, but I, I really want Ron Paul. So, you know, if, if Ron Paul doesn't get it, at least Trump will win. Wow. So it prevents, uh, to a certain degree, you know, uh, voting against people. Though it, it, but it is important. There's a lot of pitfalls in ranked choice voting because for, for similar reasons, all it does is kind of, it pulls down the spire a little bit. But um, what we've been seeing now in the United States is, I mean, the Title 42, the borders in, in total disaster. The the country that millennials have inherited, I would just call a rubble-filled wasteland. Mm-hmm. And I mean that figuratively. Obviously, we're extremely wealthy. We have morbidly obese homeless people. Things aren't all that bad. But um, millennials are certainly dealing with extreme crises. The, the, uh, our, uh, the generation that brought about the millennials controls a disproportionate amount of wealth mm-hmm. uh, you know, from uh, uh, relative to prior generations. They're uh, laden with debt because they, we were all told by our parents, you have to get you know, $100,000 mm-hmm. in debt to go to school. I was lucky enough to be like, nah, I'm not that stupid. I won't fall for that. So now <laughs> you have millennials who are just saddled with debt. It is predatory interest rates where people who have taken out a $20,000 loan are now 10 years later, they've paid back $50,000 and they owe 100. Just re- really ridiculous numbers. I mean, that's a, that's probably a, a Yeah, that's pretty extreme. You'll get like put 20 out 20 years ago. You'll owe like 38 at this point mm-hmm. so, like, or something like that. So you owe substantially more yeah, than you, you borrowed oh, yeah. and you've paid back substantially more than you borrowed. These are predatory. And then so what's happening now is millennials, basically indentured servants in, in, in many, many ways, are looking at the boomer generation who own all this property mm-hmm. and keep buying it up. And they can't move. So yeah. they're getting more and more extreme. They've dealt with two major economic crises, 2008 and now the, the pandemic. Inflation is through the roof. There's food shortages. You know, the millennial generation is probably ready to just burst at the seams. Yeah, Ma, give me something. Give me a little something, some yeah. little, little action you got while you were, you know. You're cut off, You had it better kid. than me. Give me a little, what, <laughs> what, a little action. Not a dime. What did you like think, you Tina, think. when the war on terror began after September 11th? What did you see change? Everything went to hell after that. Mm. Well, 9-11 was so terrible. Mm. And she so was disruptive. on her way into the city. Mm. Oh. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. I had surgery two days after. No, it was the worst. Is is, <laughs> I, told, I told my parents that like I thought something bad was going to happen for the month leading up to 9-11. And it turned out uh, that they had found out my mom had lung cancer. Oh, gosh. And uh, they had Heavy been, like, smoker. Disgu- yeah, they, oh. they um, you know, scheduled the surgery. So I picked up on their negative energy. And then on 9-11, she was going in on 9-12 for the surgery. So on 9-11, they sat us all down in the afternoon. We all got home from school and we were like, is mom okay? She's going into the city. Oh, she's fine. And they sit us down. They're like, your mom has lung cancer. She's going into the city tomorrow for surgery. We're like, this is the worst day ever. Like you guys got 9-11 and then you give us cancer like on top of it. What are you, what are you doing? Well, you, know? you were young too. You didn't plan it that way. I was fortunate, I guess, to be 
21 when that happened and to see the difference between the world before and the world after yeah. I, ne I never trusted any of it i mean after 9-11 me neither but i didn't trust a bit of it. the kids that are born after 9-11 are born thinking that it's normal to be at war across the ocean and i think that's twisted people beyond measure yeah i don't think of it that way but i guess that's true Changed and that's everybody's perspective and yeah. that's why when joe biden is running against trump the majority of uh, the youth vote goes Democratic for the ones that do vote because they're like, I don't know, war is normal, right? Oh, my gosh. So when Trump's like, let's stop the war, they're like, no, why should we change that? Mm. We, we, like, we like getting free oil by, you know, blown up kids, right? Mm. I think that's something. That's definitely something to it. You're born into it. You don't care. So, you know, I, I, I remember um, my, my grandpa was talking about Social Security numbers, and he was saying how back in the day— you didn't have to get one until you were like, when they first implemented, people were outraged. Like, I'm going to register a number with the government? Are you nuts? <laughs> and then it was like, well, you don't need one until you're 16. Then it was like, well, you got to get it when you're five. Now it's when you're born, you have one. When kids are born into that system, they're just like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, we all have, we all have these things. So these kids are born into a world of a war. Yeah. Yeah. And some of these kids are born in like 08, right? So mm -hmm. you've, got, you've got kids who are teenagers who were born years after the war started, still in it. And so then you get Donald Trump being like, I'm going to end this. And they're like, why do I care? Yeah, the anti-war, the sentiment of anti-war has slipped. Well, it's it's not the same. It just isn't the same as it ever was. In Vietnam, they implanted journalists in with the soldiers. And you would see guys getting carried out on stretchers and just the most mm -hmm. vile stuff. And that was like, that was enough to bring about the consciousness to end that thing. But here, they just have dudes like riding on tanks with a flag, waving a flag. And be like, we're going to Baghdad. They don't see the doors getting kicked in, the people getting annihilated by the troops which is what also what was happening uh it's been hidden from the people man i want to put body cameras and hel helmet cams on soldiers live stream it i think people need to share this show with their parents because <laughs> no i i was hanging out with a good friend of mine over the holidays whose parents were totally in disbelief at even the most basic things i could say like Victor Shokin, the prosecutor in Ukraine, was fired because Joe Biden threatened to withhold mm -hmm. illegally U.S. aid to Ukraine. So the president intervened on Joe Biden's behalf. And Joe Biden likely did this, in my opinion, because Victor Shokin was investigating a company called Burisma, where Joe Biden's son, Hunter, was on the board earning $83,000 mm -hmm. a month. And they go, that's all true. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can I can show you all the documents. I can show you the court rulings. I can show you the sworn affidavit from Victor Shokin saying outright Joe Biden did this. And they're like, but CNN said that was fake news. It's like, well, maybe you should stop watching CNN. Well, I think there should be a lot more conversation among the generations, you mm -hmm. know, like this. Yes, 100%. Mom's really been do. having, she's been having like, just like not a red pill, but just like this, like, like you know how like you have a pill with little, little granules in there, like one <laughs> granule a day. Microdosing. Microdosing red pills. Microdosing red pills. I love it. Did you, do you remember Biden in 88 when he got caught plagiarizing and resigned? Did, were you familiar with that at all? He ran for president, and then he, they were like, oh, he's plagiarizing. Then they chose Dukakis over him. Oh, my God. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Do you remember that at all? No, 88, I was in the midst of having three sons. Oh, uh, so. yeah. That's kind of I didn't know anything I, I about it. I dropped out of pretty much everything else. Understandable. So. Actually, real quick, can you, tell the commute, can you tell the commute story about your commute? Um, well, this was just – this is like – it's like a, kind of the way that I wanted to handle oh. – I didn't know how to handle working and having children and – I had been in my job for eight years, and my son George, uh, Richie's older brother, wasn't born. He was born after 11 years of marriage. And so I didn't want to leave my baby, and I didn't want to quit my job. So, and we lived, I commuted 
from Connecticut. So um, Richie's dad bought me a Volvo for my birthday, and I put the baby in the car and took him to New York with me. Had a babysitter at the office who met me, handed him over uh, in the garage, and occupied a space in in my office building to uh, for his nursery. And every night I'd stop at this, I think it was like a Bulgarian deli on the way and bought two Heinekens, oh my. <laughs> strapped the baby in and strapped myself in and no drank the seat. two beers and... No, he had a car seat. Oh, he had a car seat. Okay. Oh, God. Just, well, two, well, I was drinking two beers and smoking six, and but smoking. I had a car seat. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that's how I got through you know, th- the first three years of his life. It's a different time. <laughs> Do you remember it? I, no, I, that, that was, was my older brother. Oh, See, George. that's why I turned out fine. Oh, yeah. He's a total. That's why he's such an angel. Yeah. yeah. I just got an idea. <laughs> I think I want to hire maybe like five people to go um, petition in like New York or Chicago or L.A., and the petition would be for international immunity for Barack Obama over the extrajudicial assassination of a 16-year-old American citizen. And they would say, well, look, you know, Obama did this, but we're looking for support to say that he should be immune from prosecution. And try and get him to sign it. Hmm. We should film it. We'll put it on YouTube. It'll be fun. That'd hmm. be a lot more effective than getting angry. Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Excuse me, sir. Do you have a moment? We're we're trying to help Barack Obama. I know you like. Well, he's a fan. You're a fan. Yes, you are. Come here. You voted. You voted for Biden, right? Of course you did. Check this out. So uh, <laughs> back in uh, uh, you know the the Obama era, uh, Barack Obama ordered what's called an extrajudicial assassination. Now this was when a jo- a drone went to Yemen and blew up a civilian restaurant. Now, there was a 16-year-old American citizen in that restaurant who died named Abdulrahman Alalaki. We want to make sure that moving forward that Barack Obama will not be charged with war crimes or crimes in the United States because, I mean, you know, killing U.S. citizens is illegal. So we're hoping you would sign this document. I wonder what people would say. We could also maybe get Biden immunity from his uh, sexual assault allegations against Tara Reid (laughs) when he was younger. That's a better one. Yes. Funded. Funded. Who wants to do the show? We used to do those all the time, like Man on the Streets during um, the Trump years, which is like you read a bunch of Obama quotes, you know, because the things have swung so far left that you read a bunch of Obama quotes and you say, what do you think about what Trump said? And then they they say it's terrible. And then you say, actually, Barack Obama said that. Right. But this one will be funny because it'll be a guy wearing a vest (laughs) and it'll be called like, you know, defend the Dems. And it'll be like, hi, I've got a petition here. We want to make sure Obama is immune from prosecution for the 16-year-old that he murdered. Please sign here. <laughs> and they'll be like, I don't want to. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I should sign that. And be like, Well, you're not a fascist, are you? Well, who's the last like true anti-war president then? Uh, be- Carter. <laughs> well, I, before before tr- Carter. Yeah, I think so. What did yeah, Carter people really didn't like it when the gas went missing. You know, the gas gas. The gas went missing. I don't know about that. What's yeah, that? The, the, the whole the waiting in line for and, gas. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. So they were like, go back to war. Blow up people so oh, we can wow. get their oil. Let's go to Super Chats and read what um, the audience has to say. Very many people who have commented. If you haven't already, smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Become a member at TimCast.com if you uh, would like to support our work. Check out our episode yesterday with Lauren Southern where she is wielding a sword and we talk about... Um, Getting pizza in the outback. Cool. It's actually really cool. Like the middle of Australia where it's a desert. There's like people living underground and they have like pizza joints. (laughs) I want to go. All right. 
Penumbra Syndicate says, Moon's Haunted. Can we get a Nuke the Moon shirt? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. If uh, Jessica is listening, let's get a Nuke the Moon shirt. I will ask We're working on the uh, Chicken City shirts. And so yeah. far we have a Roberto. And it looks really good. I So we uh, Jessica's amazing, our, our graphic designer and artist. And she made a bunch of different cartoon versions of our rooster. And my favorite one has him as a triangle. And I posted on Instagram. We're not going to use it because I'm like, it's out of line with the, the ca- cartoons we're doing. But it's it's hilarious. It's like a hilarious little rooster cartoon. I love it. Maybe we, maybe we have to use it. I love it too. Roberto much. is kind of like he's like that jacked guy who's like got a huge upper body and what, what, he like walks around like that. That's, why do you call him right. Roberto? Ro, what what is it? Roberto. Oh, Roberto. 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 Yeah. Roberto. Roberto. Say Roberto. 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 Yeah. He can't do it. <laughs> he can't do it. <laughs> All right. Roberto. Cap, Cap I mean, I'm gonna kick him out of power anyway. So yeah. There you go. Oh, Roberto attacked him. He did. Uh oh. Yeah. It's yeah. war. He smelled you coming. I tried to yeah. do the coop. <laughs> yeah, he attacked him. And then Richie came back with the Hylian shield yep. from The Legend of Zelda. And he was terrified. And, yeah, and he was. No, I know how. Cat P says, down with Roberto, I'll hail the rise of Richie. <laughs> there we go. Oh, yeah. um, and if I have to take it by force, I will. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. The Curly Afro says, Ian, the love you have to end the Fed needs to change. Instead, pay closer attention to the Bank of Japan. Literally the most consequential bank in the world, the Japanese yen is nearly in free fall. Check out the Forex chart. Interesting. That's cool. I'm I'm really not concerned with breaking up or destroying anything at this point. I want to create something new. But thank yes. you for pointing that out. I agree with that. <laughs> w Falcon says, hey, Tim, when are you going to have Amanda Milius and Lauren Southern on together? Oh, that'd be fun. Are they friends? I don't know. I don't know. That'd be super fun. Yeah, I'm down. That'd be, yeah. that'd be cool. No alcohol but, allowed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. I think for the members only one. That's when they're allowed to have Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Warwolf says, greetings, crew of Ian Cast IRL. Oh. Ian, today is Graphene Friday. <laughs> Give us your humble and loyal fa- fans a Graphene fun fact. And Tim, yes. please make some TimCast ba- brand beanies. You can take a 64-sided piece of graphene and turn it into a ball. And I believe that's called a Bucky Ball. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, Created by Buckminster Fuller, or, or popularized by the man, and you can put stuff inside it, like medicine, and then send it through carbon nanotubes, also made of graphene, to their des- destination. All right, <laughs> Nicholas Stalter, Stalter says, "I watch you almost every single day, and I'm always bored going through YouTube during work outside. And being able to come here right when it starts was amazing. Keep it the good work, and glory to Chicken City, Woo! ladies and gentlemen. I have an announcement to make. We're renaming it, renaming it Cocktown, though. Sorry. Chicken. Oh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> Timcast IRL." Is the number two most super chatted show in the United States, followed by number three, Fresh and Fit, oh, followed yeah. by number four, Rakeda, Rakeda, Rakeda Law. I always pronounce it wrong. Oh wow! Followed by number there, five, wow. The Enforcer. Followed by number six, Us Chicken City. Chicken City. Oh, oh nice! Wow. And I, That's I would amazing. like to point out, I did, I was wrong about that fact just a minute ago about the graphene. It's, oh no! It's C sixty graphene. There are sixty pieces of carbon in there. I don't know how many. Well, sides that's fun, that not accurate. Uh, my understanding, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that Timcast IRL is the um, uh, number one human, like live action, super chatted show in the world. I could be wrong about that. There may be one, or two, might, might, might be, but I th- I'm pretty sure everyone above us are VTubers, which is like animated women. Yeah. Chicken City mm-hmm. is now number 31 in the world. Cluck, cluck. Wow. Uh, for those wow. who didn't see it, I posted on Instagram, the last Chicken City stream has 245,000 views. So a lot of people on Twitter are demoralized and they're like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> people love chickens, dude. <laughs> Do you know that chickens used to be a religious symbol? 
No. For no. what? People need to understand the power what of the chicken. Well, here's, here's my question. Because though. chickens would lay eggs every day. Right. It was a symbol of life and fertility. Mm-hmm. So they used the chicken and the rooster as oh. like... A, yeah, because they uh, chickens um, originated in Southeast Asia, the, the red jungle fowl, were mm. first bred to fight. But because they lay eggs every day, you're like, you get eggs every day. That's that's awesome. They're good eggs. We love eggs. Good stuff. And so when it swept across Europe and was brought in, people were like, this bird is amazing. It doesn't fly. Magical. And you just give it food and it gives you an egg. We want more of these things. Okay, but so if Roberto, Roberto <laughs> is leading Chicken City and Chicken City is now like You can't say 30. Roberto, can you? Robert, Roberto. 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 <laughs> Roberto. Whoever he is, he's, he's clearly not a good leader. Name because doesn't matter. All this money is pouring into Chicken City, and they're living in squalor. I know. Are and you kidding? I, I mean, I think <laughs> it's pocketing. I think it's all the fentanyl and and the co- the cocaine that's been <laughs> flooding oh, in there. Okay. I mean, he's not. To, it's Probably open border. Hey, hey. Oh, it's no. flooding over there. You know, and yep, yep. if you if you make me sheriff, I'm going to put an end to that, and I'll make sure that the money gets back into the hands of the hens and the chickies. Yeah. Richie, not yeah. only are there no open borders, <laughs> the chickens are literally being interned. It's, quite, <laughs> it's <laughs> filthy. We need it. We need it. It's squalor. Up. Whatever it is, is squalor. Yeah. Robert right. O ain't doing ain't doing what he should be doing. He's an animal. No, here we go. No trickle down there. I love it. Zachary, I don't trust him. Zachary says, hey, should I cancel my membership here and up my membership at TimCast.com? But seriously, when are, are we uh, when are we talking about how hilarious this DEP trial is? Yes, you should be members at TimCast.com. It's better across the board. We're going to have um, – I think we're going to have like a big announcement next week I'm really excited about because um, let's just say we a lot of what we've been working on has been infrastructure stuff. So you guys are going to be super excited for this. We put our money where our mouth is. And the DEP trial is absolutely hilarious. Jeez. Oh, I feel man. bad for John. Did you see what's her name? Amber Heard was like looking down and listening, and then she laughs and looks up and she starts crying, makes her sad face again. Can't believe she was an actor. Couple of actors. I, yeah, exactly. I, I think Johnny Depp is a weirdo, but sure. I think Amber Heard is what, the crazy one. Yeah, what is going on? I've looked yeah, so little into it. It's yeah. like such nonsense drama of two he, people. All I saw was a clip of him shooing, like throwing everything off. On toxic top femininity. Yeah. It's yeah. toxic femininity. I think so. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. What does it say? Jedidine? Hello, Tim and crew. Thank you for always keeping us informed. Can you shout out our dog's GoFundMe? She has cancer and needs surgery. Her name is Mo. Is that... How do you... I don't know how to pronounce that. Mo Quishel? You're going to have to spell it out. Yeah. Uh, It is under M-O-C-U-I-S-H-L-E. Mo Quishel's surgery. Organizer is Kevin Martin. Thank you. Best of luck for your your loved one. Yeah. Always sad. All right. We'll grab some super chats. Merce Cookie says, A woman is a person born with XX chromosomes and a vagina at birth. The uterus, ovaries, and fallopian tubes are important, but that alone and the ability to bear children does not make one a woman. Hmm. Thank you for the science lesson. I'm not a biologist. So yeah, I'm not either. either so, I, no. I, I can't answer that question. Ninja Robot says, Listen to more Tool. Have Maynard, James Keenan, or Danny Carey on the show. Uh mm. Weren't they involved with the Perfect Circle or something like that? Yeah, yeah, Maynard is for sure. I don't know about the other guys. Dude, I just want to shout out that song Judith by Perfect Circle because the guitar playing just blows my mind even to this day. H is just so insane. It's so good. Do you know yeah. it, Tina? No, I don't. you got to get into Tool. I wish I did. <laughs> Tool's amazing. What's the name of the band? Tool. Tool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tool. But the, I just love the slide and the, like, the weird slow descent. Oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. good. He has his own wine company too. Ah, cool. All right. We'll grab some uh, Super Jets here. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Daryl Davis on IRL. Yes, please. Coming yes. soon. 
Coming soon. Double D. Trying to tell you says the pendulum has been swinging since the beginning, but it's swinging harder and harder. Hmm. The things going on now are no longer local to one place or another. The things are taking place around the world. Great show tonight. You know, the way I describe it is it's a tower Mm -hmm. that every day grows. And as the tower gets bigger, it starts swaying left and right. But once it gets too tall, it'll swing so far left, so far right, so far left, then snap. It just breaks. Like the Tower of Babel. Is that what happened? Yeah. At the base I mean, of the tower, it's just swinging. They a actually didn't bit. talk about it collapsing in the Bible. They just talked about it going up and then God scattering. Yeah, I think. I think this, about the tower collapsing. I think the the birth of this nation started with an with an unstable foundation, and it's quite literally that Thomas Jefferson made a compromise with slave states because they needed the support to win the revolution. As much as many of these northern states did have slaves. There was initially a provision. Uh, one of the one of the statements in the Declaration of Independence was that the king had taken people from a, a different country and brought them there to wage war mm-hmm. on them. They had to take that out because Jefferson was worried the Southern states, which were very dependent on slavery for their economies, or I should I should very much just say preferred that and didn't want to do the work. He was like, "Whatever you guys want to join our effort." That was a big mis. I mean, well, that was the start of the issue, mm-hmm. right? I, whether or not America could have won independence, I don't know. But from that point, within 80 years, you're in the Civil War because there's like we're at odds. And as more states come in, are they going to be on one side of this issue or the other? Okay, what about hope? That's That was what was in my mind when we were talking about left, right. You know, nobody wants to come on and talk about it. Do you have hope, Tim? Oh, I think we're – I think the civil, civil libertarian is one of the easiest way to describe whatever this is. I think, I think we're winning. You, you look at the polls for what's happening in December and whatever it is the Democrats have decided to embrace is becoming widely rejected by the American people. So hmm. yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Maybe it'll be a civil war, but. But at that time, at the time that you're discussing, that was the left and the right were Hamiltonian and Jeffersonian, which in a weird way were almost, you know, it was like agrarians versus industrial based. Which is where yeah, we've always where been. We, yeah, exactly. You know? And so I think then you get the civil war, but if you've got this rickety thing shaking, Throughout the generations, it just shakes mm-hmm. harder and harder and harder. And then we've built it up so big, it's like on the verge of falling apart again. Oh, well. We'll see, though. Another civil war, maybe. Metaf- All right. Metaphorical. Just one Joe Biden stutter away from Yeah. Yeah. Vosh says Nance is nowhere near any fighting. In fact, I bet he's hiding out in Cuomo's basement. <laughs> uh, Austin says, Tim, when are you going to make your own app? We actually have uh, our, our, the first. Uh, I think the app is almost done. It, we, it takes a long time, you know. Uh a lesson for most people is no amount of money can get you something that doesn't exist. Yep. What I mean by that is, you know, uh, if you want to go from New York to D.C., what's the best way to do it? If you're if you're a multimillionaire, what's the best way to do it? If you like, I need to get to D.C. for this important meeting. What do you think the best way to do it is? Speedboat. Unlimited train. money. A PJ. Helicopter. It's a train. Train. Literally oh, the train. A little PJ. It's the no. fastest. Going to an airport. Going out yeah. of the city, going to the airport, waiting, com- commissioning it. Then you got to have the plane wait at the hangar at the, at, when you land mm-hmm. in DC, and you're outside of the city. Train. Yeah, too far for helicopter. Yeah, it doesn't. The train. cost is immaterial. The train is just faster. So you're sitting there with everybody else. Doesn't matter how much you're worth. Got the bar car. I mean, you might prefer a plane because it's comfortable, you know. And then you sit in a car and you, you know, make your way there. All right, tradesmen. Yeggs says, hey, Tim, I love listening to your show as a podcast. I had no idea just how gross the chat was here on YouTube, though. Keep doing what you do, man. You are making something amazing. I really appreciate it. And 
Welcome to YouTube. Yes, YouTube's great. You <laughs> I was thinking, like, we had, I was like, we, you know what we should do for, um, I wanted to use Chicken City Chat as our, like, members only chat on the website. But m- maybe Chicken City Chat needs to be Chicken City. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I knew Chicken City would be successful, but uh, Chicken City yesterday raised $2,314 in one day. That is 23 chicken parties. Woo. Yo, wow. people. That People is. actually come in and just drop a hundo and be like, chicken party. And I'm like, I demand yeah. it. That's and then so Roberto is just like doing lines in the back. <laughs> oh and He's out of his know mind. It. All that cocaine. I'm so excited say, for you to just say row. create some order. And that's <laughs> row. Bert. Bert. Oh. Roberto. <laughs> he refuses to do it now. All right. That's fair. It's like Voldemort, like you refuse yeah, you to say his, his name. name yeah. It's like, yeah, the oh, people like, I don't even say Trump's his spurs name. Get bigger, say watch out. Nope, yeah. not until I'm sheriff, <laughs> then right. I'll say it again. Okay. <laughs> Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Tim, Ian's right. That felt weird, LOL, but yeah, Ian is right. His best commercial is the Trident one from the Super Bowl. <laughs> Tina, thank you for coming. Thanks, Raymond, but it's an Orbit wow. commercial, not a Trident. Orbit, an orbit commercial. Orbit gum. Yeah. yeah, Ian was in a commercial for the Super Bowl. It was really funny. I didn't know they were going to run on the Super Bowl. It's <laughs> did. great. It's good. I'm clipping my nose here. You gotta it's watch. It's a classic it. Ian Stowe. Right there. <laughs> no, yeah. So there, I was playing with some graphene, and I ended up on a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, so weird. <laughs> yeah really. I threw a stone the morning I shot the commercial. Too. <laughs> Will I am says, unlike dancing, war does not require the consent of both parties. We are in a culture war. Classical Americans did not consent to this war, but it does not matter. We are in it nonetheless. Yeah, I agree. And if we panic, that's when they got us. Hmm. What do you What do you think, Ian? Multicultural democracy or constitutional republic? I like the Constitution. I like rallying around a piece of paper rather than cultures and identity politics. I think that, it, or, or not just the paper, but the ideas that are transcribed in a way mm-hmm. from us that we can all kind of revere and utilize. Well, that means you are right wing. Huh. Maybe that today. You sounded like Mark Levin right there. Oh my gosh. The Constitution yeah. empowers us. That's Mark Levin. I have two wins. Jesse Kelly I had a tweet fly. where he said the Constitution is, is not in effect. Like you've got people who are like, we're, we believe in the Constitution. The other side's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't it? Doesn't it literally doesn't matter. The right, the, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So in Maryland, New Jersey, and New York, when you're like, um, hello, government, can I have a gun? They go, no, and you go, okay. Yeah, the Constitution does not protect us. We protect the Constitution. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. And because people are unwilling to live by and enforce it. There you go. And if you oh, what was it? Was it Sotomayor said? I don't understand why that's something the states, why it's a power the states would have, but not the federal government. Absolutely and insane. Everyone vomited it in the in the ninth and tenth amendment. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right. F off says have to put my dog down Monday. Mm. He and I always watch your show after work, and he loves when everyone gets all hyped up. It would be awesome if everyone can shout up my dog Romanov, named after uh, Black Widow, since he acts like a girl. Peace, y'all. <laughs> Good job, Romanov. 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 We're looking after you, Romanov. Romanov. See you soon, You will chase many cars in dog heaven. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Grizzle, Grizzlock says, please, please briefly discuss the shift in the Overton window. Are you familiar with the Overton window? No, not at all. So within the spectrum of the political compass, like of, of political ideas, there's a window of socially acceptable thought that moves around. And the idea is that today it's being pulled all the way to the left. So if you are a moderate or a conservative, they say you are far right. You're not, but to the Overton window, you're on the right edge or outside of it. So that's what happens on Twitter. 
they make rules where they're like, anyone who has a conservative, conservative, conservative opinion is an extremist, and they'll ban you. Who is Overton? Uh, it was that. It was the guy who coined it. I don't. Uh, John Overton was his name, I think. No, actually. Yeah. But the idea is, that as the left goes further left, the center also goes further right. left. Yeah. And then if you stand still, the center cannot hold. Yes, that's the very poem. I'm learning that poem right now. Wonderful poem. Everything falls apart. The center cannot hold. Mm-hmm. J N says, "Ian, you complicate the simplest things. Not everything is an algorithm. Hope you're simple enough to understand that. Much respect, crew." <laughs> Thanks, dude. Right. I, I hope uh, it was a very extreme statement. I, I hope not to complicate everything. Keith McCracken says, if the fans of the show really want Elon on the show, then y'all should do a massive flood of tweets of go on Timcast IRL to Elon. I think it will get his attention. I don't know. You know, I never do that kind of stuff. When um, I was like the, the original beef with Joe where he Joe Rogan invited me on a show and then canceled, and then I flew I, I flew out, he canceled, then he invited me on again, then I flew out and he canceled. I was just like, dude doesn't owe me any favors. Like Elon, the richest man in the world, owes me nothing, and I don't think tweeting at him is like hmm. I tweet I, I don't I don't think everybody just blasting him. I thought it was funny. I tweeted at him like hey, Elon, come on the show. I think that's funny and it might work. And he seems like a cool dude. Mm-hmm. It would be amazing if we had Elon and Jack Dorsey on the show. So mm-hmm. But I, I think it's impossible because Jack's on the board of Twitter. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. never really seen Elon in this kind of like. I mean, you've seen him on Joe Rogan, and you've seen him on like Babylon B. But like in terms of like, I mean, like you just asked uh, Tina, you know, like what you know, like these political questions that nobody wants to answer specifically because they're hot button issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't know. That would I be have... interesting to hear him, you know, yeah. voice his opinion on a lot of those things. Like I think the the one thing I really love to bring up in this in this context is the Ahmed Arbery case because it feels like I'm the only one. There's like a small handful of people who are actually challenging the results in that case, but even conservatives are on board with you know what I would describe as gross injustice. Mm-hmm. So it's because of the window that you're talking about, which is like, well, that's just that's something you don't talk about. I think it's because conservatives are uh, cowardly. Like obviously not every single one. But when Kyle Rittenhouse got acquitted, they all celebrated and right. people were crying. And then when the Ahmed Arbery case went, went down and the McMichaels and that other guy got convicted, they were like, well, you know, we got our win already. So we'll say, see, the system worked. And I'm like, are you it's nuts? It's hypocritical. Yeah. The guy who filmed it goes to prison for the rest of his life? Not right. You insane? Critical. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, whatever, man. You know, one day, one day people will not like what I have to say and well, apparently that happens all the time, but whatever. We're going to say what is. People want to live in a fake reality where they plug their ears and pretend like something isn't true. You can do that. I don't want to do that. I think they're unmotivated. So there are some some cowards, and people can be cowardly from time to time, but I think a lot of people just don't have the motivation yet. Maybe it's dietary. You know, if you eat crap, it's hard to get up and do stuff. Garbage in, garbage out. That's right. Dude, I, I eat McDonald's, and it's like... It, Jacks me up. Yeah. Shake so, Shack is even worse. It clears worse. my whole, you know, just look at those ripped. Gets arms. me right. Yeah, exactly. No good. R D. <laughs> says Richie is so hot. Oh my. Oh, oh we're just talking about his body. Music? It's yeah. the chin music. Oh my so my mom is right here. Jeez, oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> Richie's thumb is healed. That's <laughs> right. Excellent. Look at that mobility. Rich, so, damage. so we have no more a fun flips on rollerblades. We have a three foot quarter pipe slash launch ramp and a six foot landing pad. And Richie went very fast and did a front flip off the ramp, but basically cleared the whole landing 
landed at the bottom of it, and what happened to your thumb? You <laughs> I subluxed it. it Sublux. Yeah, Sublux. 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 Yeah. Subluxation. Popped it out. Popped out and in. Yeah. Oh, I did that. And to my, my mom was like, well, "I thought you said you were done doing stupid oh, stuff." Oh yeah, yeah, no. Stupid. <laughs> you mean amazing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Did, you, what see, I meant. did so, you see the video? Yes, I it did. It was a great video. It was really stupid. I was like, <laughs> took, no, she took me to a vert ramp when I was like eleven or twelve. I was like, "This is like before you had." There was like a, it was like a skate quest, like map quest for skate parks. Doing. And I'm like, "Mom, there's a skate park like twenty minutes away. Can you take me there?" And there were no photos. Some of them didn't have the photos on there, so I had no idea what kind of skate ramp. I show up and it's like a ten foot vert ramp, and I have my skateboard had like the you know the longboard wheels on it. Like so I was so grossly unprepared. I was like twelve years old, eleven oh, years boy. old. And I'm, and my, I remember climbing up to the top of it, up the stairs, and my mom's at the bottom, I'm like, Rich, are you sure about this? And I'm like, I know what I'm doing, <laughs> yeah, mom. <laughs> drop it, boom, wrist broken. Oh, the moment I tried yeah. to drop in, just fell straight back, that. snapped the wrist. Are you okay? I think I broke my wrist. Luckily, my dad is a doctor, so. Oh my God. Did you he walked it? right over and just yeah. pulled it and then said, you're fine. Yeah, his right. thing was he, he would like have me come in for my cast, and then I'd bring in my hockey stick so he could mold the hockey stick around. Oh, nice. Oh, great. He could still play with the cast on. Wild. <laughs> All right. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, how about a GoFundMe for billboards in Tennessee? Hmm. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that when they booted Robbie Starbuck off of the primary ballot because they claimed he wasn't a Republican, they should earn the ire of angry people who are mm. outraged over the corruption of the Republican What party. was the grounds for that? Like, what specifically? not a Republican. But how do they constitute yeah, how that? how do they quantify that? You need, like, vouchers or something, but, like, Robbie more than qualified. And what was his district? Uh, seventh. Fifth? Seventh? Fifth, I thought. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to pull up that story on on real real quick? I want to yeah, make sure I don't I know who he is. So he's he's this, this like he's a, he's a he's a guy he's a our friend age. of ours. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a friend of the show. He's a Republican. He's like a populist. He, you know, America first guy. You know, like pro workers' rights in a sense. Not like the left necessarily sense, but like you know, pro Trump. And they uh, booted him off the ballot for the primary election, so he can't. What does he do? Run as an independent? I think we should. Um, we should show the, the corrupt Republican Party what happens when you, you piss off people who are politically active and young. Mm. And um, I got to figure out how that works and what the legal like guidelines are for the appropriate thing to do. But I'm thinking like what buying billboards or commercials. Billboards yeah. are passive. You want to contact the, the people that are in the offices and you want to contact their uh, their secretaries and you want to overload them with information so that they have no choice but to listen. It was 14 vouchers or 14 affirming vouching people letters. That's what uh, he had, right? Yeah, that's what he had. I think they said that he didn't have enough, but he had 14. That's crazy to me. That's so, like, flagrantly corrupt. That's nuts. Thank you, Richie. I, I, I kind of feel like, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm extremely livid about this because I've been telling people, hey, vote in the primaries. Make sure we get real people, young people, active people to, to get involved in politics, to help change this world. And then when you get someone who is prominent, respectable, Successful like Robbie, Young they, they 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 play dirty games to make it so he can't be on the Republican uh, the ballot for the primary. Mm. So you know, I, I the Republican Party does not does not have my vote. Yeah. I don't like them. I've never liked them. I voted for Trump only because I did not like Biden, and Trump had really good. He had proven himself, as I explained earlier in the show. But if the Republicans think in the midterms they're getting my votes. It ain't gonna happen when when they play games like this. Now I, I understand this is the Tennessee GOP. I don't care. How I, I want to Ra- see how old is he, Robbie? Is he thirty two? Thirty four. Thirty four. He's young, young, yeah. I want to see the candidates for the for the Republican Party in West Virginia. I want to see them stand up for Robbie. I guess they don't need my votes though. 
you know, West Virginia is going to go Republican. So to be fair, he wasn't the only Republican to get kicked off the ballot. His I know. opposition was too, which is not any better. But that was um, Morgan. Yeah, Morgan. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, Morgan was because of I, I, you know Something, what I got some other excuse. Honest. Yeah, I don't yeah. care what the excuse is. Yeah, it doesn't care. It doesn't matter. I'm I'm I'm, I'm legit pissed off. That's about not this. cool. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be exploring this and seeing what I can do in the most effective way to. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm not happy about it. I think organizing call call patterns is good. Like getting it at a certain time of day, you call this you call this office, you call this office, you call this office, take turns, do it four times a day, six times a day, make sure they know how you feel. Be honest and be kind about it, but make sure that they know. Well, we'll we'll, we'll figure something out. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't already, smash that like button. Yo, before we go, subscribe. I have a super chat I'd like to read. It's from Raymond Fry. It was directly at me, and it kind of moved me, and I wanted to say right. something about it. He said, hey, Ian, hey, man, I served in the Iraq war as an infantryman. We did not kick doors in and shoot civilians. We went out of our way to save civilians. Yes, drone attacks suck. We did not like them. Yet say we're all committed war crimes or did not try to help people is a lie. Raymond, I'm sorry if you took it that way. I don't think that. I never thought that everybody there was a killer or a cruel or a horrible person. It was a friend of mine, and they were talking about the first Iraq war in the 90s. And she told me very explicitly that they did kick doors in and kill families. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Thanks. If you haven't already, smashed the like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Become a member at TimCast.com. If you would like to support our work, it's Friday night. We're going to have a lovely weekend. And then, of course, Chicken City will always be live for all of you to relax it's and watch chickens. Big news. Lo-Fi Chicken City Beats to Relax to is coming next. It's going to be a YouTube live stream where it just plays relaxing music, but there will be the occasional buck buck in there. And <laughs> I'm not kidding. You guys think I'm joking? No, just, we're great. doing um, we're doing cartoons. So uh, we, we're, the merch is coming next. There's going to be a shirt for every chicken character, and uh, we want to do consistently like a cartoon with chicken facts. So it's like the weird things that chickens do. We make a fun kids <laughs> just, show. Just wait until I carry out my my it's coup, cool, yeah. and then my chi- your chicken facts <laughs> become coo-coo. chicken alternative facts, yes. and then like your lo-fi music is just like hard How about heavy the, metal. The, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, yeah. So the next the next. God, I, w- I was I was told it's not family friendly to have poop and fart jokes. What? And I'm like I I think so, but some parents don't like it. But so one of the funniest things about chickens is that they're smart enough not to drink water they dump in but not smart enough not to dump in their water <laughs> That's true. so the next idea i had for a cartoon was the chickens are like that's a good one so the chickens are like they're looking up at the sun and they're going eh, water and they're like they're looking at the water and it's you know got filth in it and they're like it's gone bad and they're like i don't think we're gonna make it and then a human comes over and switches the water out and they go salvation and then they all start drinking like crazy and then they stand up and they're like we're saved and then they meet us go <laughs> yeah. Then they turn around and go, the water's gone bad. That's chicken. That's yeah. kind of like yeah. American democracy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I don't like, like that comparison. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Um, thanks for hanging out. And to uh, Tina and her son, thanks for coming and, and joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having Absolutely. me, Mom, it, like out of your body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for personal. having me, Tim. Uh, would, would either of you like to shout anything out? Uh, I just shout out my mom for, yeah. for giving Woo. birth to me and um, also my campaign to uh, take over uh, Chicken City. You got my vote. Okay. <laughs> and I'm, I'm great. Like a, he's always just like looking the other way. I think the, the issue is, <laughs> as mayor of Chicken City, there'd be like labor laws involved. Like I'd have to pay you money oh, yeah. and Roberto is, I don't you know. know. I'm just grateful that you had me at this table at age 70. So thank oh, you. Oh, no, I we're, love it. I yeah. appreciate yeah, we're glad it. to have you. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Oh, geez. Ian Crossland, thank you guys for coming. And... um 
that's about all I got. This comic, Infinity Gauntlet, changed my life. It's been sitting in front of me. Check it out. Uh, this is an aquamarine. It's pretty cool. It's cool. I love you all. <laughs> Richie, stuff. Tina, thank you guys. <laughs> you guys we should do this again. I love seeing you, man. This is great to talk. Extra generational conversations. Beautiful. Bye. Thank you, Lydia. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to read a very short part of The Second Coming by William Butler Yeats. It's a special shout out to Michael Knowles because he loves this poem. This is an incredibly timely poem that you mentioned, and I forgot how much I love it. <sighs> okay, so it goes turning and turning in the widening gyre. The falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. And I think if that poem doesn't wow. describe where we're at right now... That's the part yeah. I, I learned on yes. the train. Yes. yes. It's hard to remember because yeah. it's so painful. Yeah. It, it's, it's a beautiful poem. It's very poignant, and I think that every sh- everybody should read The Second Coming by William Butler Yeats. I am Sarah Patchlitz on Twitter and Minds.com. I also have SarahPatchlitz.me. You may follow me there. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Why don't you head over to Chicken City on YouTube? You can search for it, or you can go to chickencitylive.com. It'll pop right up. And uh, you can also check out the Cast Castle vlog or Pop Culture Crisis or Tales from the Inverted World Season 2 coming soon. we got a lot of cool stuff in the works. I think next week we might have a big announcement. We'll see. Infrastructure-wise, the stuff we're, built, we're working on and joining up with is going to be really cool. So thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all next time. Bye, guys. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.